coming to you from deep in the flyover states. We review WXW Femme Fatales 2019. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast. Welcome to the show. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast, episode 244. I'm DP. And I'm Tony G. DP, this week for the people, we went and watched the WXW Femme Fatales Tournament of 2019. Yeah. Um, one of the uh, new independent videos on the WWE Network, but uh, a company that we have actually visited in the past in, in their all-women side of things. So <laughs> Interesting that we've, we've actually yeah done that already once, but uh, yeah, this is an interesting show. I didn't expect to be able to fit an entire tournament into an hour and a half, but it doesn't feel like they're rushing through it when you're watching it, except for maybe one match. No, you're right. It is. It's it's impressive how quickly like they <laughs> managed to kind of move through things, and it doesn't yeah. seem all that rushed. Um, but yeah, we watched this because this is a wrestling review show. Each week, DP and I get together and discuss an event we agreed to watch the week before. It's the Oprah's Book Club for Wrestling Nerds. For any and all information about the show, links to Twitter, Facebook, and the rest, visit goldenagepodcast.com. And if you feel the need to express yourself further, maybe it's something a little longer or more involved, Send us an email at goldenagegrappling at gmail.com. Yes, definitely do that. Uh, definitely contact us. Let us know what you like about the show, what you don't like. And if uh, you got a show that you've watched, maybe it's an older show, an older wrestling show. And if it's readily available on either the network or the YouTube areas, that sort of a thing, yeah. New Japan even, uh, yeah. you want us to review it, send us a request. We'll definitely take right. that request. And we actually have one waiting in the wings until after next week's Halloween show. Yeah, we've got uh, yeah some things on the burner. We've got a request for a show that just happened. So you know, yes. it's a, the past can be as close to the present as necessary <laughs> sometimes. So yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm excited to check it out. The finals of the G1 climax. Uh, but anyways, Absolutely. before we can get to all of that, Tony, let's dive headfirst into the world of the now. Let's talk about it in our segment that we call the Sid Vicious Dishes. With this look on my face, it was something that was given to me because of people like you. See, he's going to stereotype me. It's the big dumb guy. And I have half the brain that you do. My disposition is not something I was born with. It's something I was acquired because people like you. <laughs> because you are feared of me. Well, the skeptics and all the people have a little bit. Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, Hal. Sorry. All right, Tony, what do we got this week? We were live on Monday Night Raw, and we were going to do this thing again. It was draft time, round (laughs) two. Yeah. As a bigger pool of superstars was now available, more picks were going to be taking place, and eh, things were kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> the the uh, the you know the things kicked off right away in the first round. DP 
with the announcement of The Fiend making his way from SmackDown to Raw. I have to think the Fox execs were probably iffy on The Fiend character. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder (laughs) if there wasn't anything to do with that. Like, dude, you guys can send him to Raw and he can do whatever the hell he wants. And the pushback is probably going to be a lot less. I'm not saying they got much, but I'm just, I can, people, people that don't watch wrestling, and I'm going to guess the kind of people that are in charge at Fox. Yeah. That kind of a role aren't unreal understanding of things and them watching the Firefly Funhouse or him and Alexa Bliss having like a Beauty and the Beast disembodied head with a fucking lantern inside of it. Yeah. No, I can understand where, you know, you you can get away with a lot more on network, you know, cable networks versus network networks. So, right. So uh, that happened more later. um, And that, as far as that goes, SmackDown selected their, their women's champion, which is like, well, damn, Raw, he had a chance there. Could have had two <laughs> women's champions. Uh, but Bailey stays on SmackDown. Uh, Raw would then select Randy Orton. SmackDown, well, since Raw stole their tag champs, they retaliated and selected the Street Profits, which led to yeah. the trading of the belts, which we discussed more in the current wrestling. Um, yeah. And then Raw selects, you know, every this is, this is a, 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 you know, a trope of the draft. There's usually that, oh, yeah, someone that's injured that'll be back, I'd imagine, fairly soon. Charlotte Flair was selected by Raw. So. Nice. I'd forgotten that she was injured. I just thought maybe she would take, been taking time off. I don't remember. Um, I guess it, it could be just time off. Yeah, I can't remember exactly why, now that you mentioned it, I kind of just assumed it was an injury. Uh, things would pick up in round two with Raw selecting Braun Strowman, which is a lot of this, you know, I talked about this last week, too, that drives me crazy. It's just like, He'd been on Raw. He'd been doing the underground stuff for mm-hmm. weeks. You know what I mean? There was just yeah. a few of these selections where it was like, you'd already kind of done this, so it was weird. Um, SmackDown would then select Daniel Bryan, who hasn't been around for a while, uh, but did appear on SmackDown Friday. Uh, Raw selects Matt Riddle in an actual switching of the show's situation here, which <laughs> feels like there's not a ton of when you're going through these. Uh, SmackDown selects Kevin Owens. So the KO show goes to SmackDown as Miz TV came to Raw because they literally think about that. I always think that. Like, they always have to make sure that they have That's their true. talk show brands on separate. They can't have everything on one show, damn it. They well, have to create a new one. We can't fly the king in every week to do his king's court, so. <laughs> we just don't want to. Um, <laughs> and then Raw would select Jeff Hardy with the final choice. So he goes from SmackDown to Raw. So the second round of the few interesting moves is... Uh, you know, Braun Strowman, Matt Riddle, and Jeff Hardy all would leave SmackDown and head towards Raw, with uh, Kevin Owens going the other direction. So, at least it's kind of interesting. Something happened. Um, yeah. Oh, God. Round three, DP. Raw's first pick. And Stephanie McMahon even glancing over her shoulder before <laughs> she says it. It's retribution. Oh, Jesus. So, I was waiting for that to happen. So, they got, like, 20 people in in one pick. <laughs> Well, the graphic has five, <laughs> but <laughs> I suppose there could be like a dark order situation where there's just a lot of them also kind of around. Um, Mercedes Martinez was not a part of the graphic. Thank okay. God. He escaped just barely. Um, yeah, we drafted them. That's so dumb. Like, why wouldn't you? Like, it, it makes me mad that they pay people to come up with something. It's like, wouldn't they be perfect free agents? Like, wouldn't the threat of them attacking either show well, 
be interesting or make more sense than the idea that either show would want then, them as a part of their brand. Then you also, though, have to wonder, like, what does free agent mean? Are you still signed well, to a contract at that point? Because then, if not, what does the raw contract they were signed to three weeks ago mean? Ah, true. Because how did it expire so fast? Like, that is that's, ridiculous that's, that at any time a draft can be leveled and then your contract ends if you don't get picked. That's a good point. So, I don't know. Oh, and they weren't on the show at all. So, just... <laughs> Great. Across the board, great <laughs> stuff here. Oh, and also Underground. I think this is week four with no Underground. I saw something that, like, there's potential, like, they people are saying that it's canceled, Raw Underground. It's done. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay, well, that's a, another show. That was a that's headline. A I didn't read it. I didn't check right. it. I didn't, you know, source We'll, it. of course, be discussing that at great length once that all comes out. Um, Lars Sullivan to SmackDown. Who cares? Raw selects Keith Lee. So good for uh, Mr. Limitless there. SmackDown selects King Corbin. Good riddance. And then Raw selects Alexa Bliss. So she and The Fiend will both be on the Raw I brand. Just, you have to remember like some of these names that are being mentioned because then you have to look at the later draft picks. Yeah, oh like, yeah. How I'll, do these I'll get other the, people get there? I'll get to some of the cleanup stuff. Uh, round four, Raw selected Elias right after he hit uh, Jeff Hardy with a guitar. It's okay. Like, it all makes it seem so oddly convenient um smackdown waited until the fourth round to select the intercontinental champion Sami Zayn. he was very upset about that yeah um, it's been vocal so like raw could have had Sami Zayn with the intercontinental oh, yeah. championship but they chose baron corbin <laughs> no smackdown selected baron corbin no okay raw raw selected retribution that was definitely one they probably should they selected matt riddle raw could have had Sami Zayn in the second round the intercontinental champion and they took matt riddle so well, fuck! SmackDown could have had made could have confirmed their intercontinental oh, champion. Oh, well, I but know. They yeah. Picked Baron oh, exactly. Corbin. Yeah. Like that too. Uh. Raw then selected Lacey Evans. SmackDown selects the team of Cesaro and Nakamura, and Raw selects Sheamus. I was like, ah, oh, damn it! Sheamus is coming to Raw. <laughs> I mean, just okay. Well, I paid more attention to Raw than I do SmackDown. Oh, okay. Um, fifth round of the draft, Raw selects Nikki Cross. SmackDown got Rude and Ziggler. Raw took our truth. SmackDown took Apollo Cruz. So and Raw and Raw selects Daba Kato. So Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss and yes. the Fiend are all on Raw. Yes. Okay. Nikki Cross and yeah, it, it continues that trend. I talked about it in the like you know, Alistair Black and Kevin Owens end up mm-hmm. on the same show. The Mysterios and Seth Rollins end up on the same show. Yeah. Wait, like one of the great things about the draft is you get to take long-running storylines that maybe you even didn't have a great way to finish, and you get to just, they're just over. Because yeah. you got split up on the shows. And instead, this company's like, let's take, make sure we keep everyone that's been in a storyline with somebody for the better part of three months uh, together on the same brand, and we'll make it real awkward. <laughs> they didn't actually resolve anything. Yeah. The other thing that was happening here, and it gets worse, um, I'll bring it up, let's get through the last bit of the dra- rounds here. Uh, Raw took Titus O'Neil. All right. I don't know if you need to use a draft pick on Titus. Uh, SmackDown took Carmella. Raw selects Peyton Royce. SmackDown took Aleister Black. And Raw selects Akira Tozawa. So. All right. It was around this point that I was like, hang on a second. Raw has Mandy Rose, Dana, Charlotte, Alexa, Nikki, Naomi, and Lacey Evans as, you know, like draft picks. They have both Iconics, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, the Riot Squad, Zelina Vega, and Asuka. 
SmackDown, to my knowledge at this point, had Bailey, Sasha, and Carmella. <laughs> and I was like, uh... Now, they must have... I don't... Who knows how much thought they put into these kinds of things. Probably not much at all, and they probably realized it at the same time I did. But then there was, like, a round on Raw Talk where SmackDown took Natalia and the Riot Squad. Okay. So it starts to kind of balance out. And then in free agency... SmackDown took Billy Kay, Tamina, and Zelina Vega. Yeah. <clears throat> so it all kind of balanced. But I was like, as of the end of Raw, there were like well, three women on SmackDown. <laughs> but all those women on... So wait, so the women that were on Raw... Yeah. That you mentioned there, that after the, they had the draft picks, what were the other names? Were those just that were already on Raw from before this show? Well, yeah, Raw drafted... Yeah, Mandy and all those, but they and then they already just had on their roster the iconics. But the Shana. rosters are done. the The rosters are blank at that point, so those names would be in the free agency pool, right? Well, one of the yeah, they had been. I and think so they that's already why some Shana of them and Nia got selected. That's why some of them then ended up on SmackDown. I'm guessing. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was just making sure because I, it still confuses me the way that they built this draft with the way that they like. Right, but just as far as you know, the draft goes, there was like no one women left on SmackDown until they kind of corrected things at the end there. Gotcha. So, I mean, as far as the draft goes, what do you do? You think that it lives up to the reputation that the WWE draft has at this point? Does it even have a decent reputation at this point? <laughs> well, I mean, not so much, really. Um, I mean, you know, listen, they shake things up. I mean, you know, it does shake things up to some degree. I mean. You know, you got to have a Seth Rollins and Daniel Bryan confrontation on SmackDown and, you know, AJ Styles on Raw now, you know, having his dealings with Jeff Hardy and stuff. I mean, the pr- thing that's just so strange is how many kind of pairings of feuding folks ended up being drafted to the same shows when, like we've said, the easy way to kind of get out of some of those angles is to separate them through the draft. And they didn't necessarily do that. Um, you know, Seth Rollins. Going to SmackDown is probably the biggest, you know, maybe the biggest deal as far as you know, on that side of things goes. The Fiend to Raw, uh, you know, I, I guess those would be the, kind of the two big swaps as far as, you know, top guys go or whatever. Um, yeah. But otherwise, I mean, so much of it just being people drafting people that are already on their show is just such a weird way to do things because it's just there's nothing interesting about that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. using a pick to just ki- 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 to keep somebody. On your show is well. That's what I mean. Is they didn't make it clear uh, enough. They should have made it more clear that at the beginning you don't have right. anyone on your show. So you're well, not keeping right, them. You're true. getting them. You know, because now yeah, you know, it's they they just didn't make a good enough job of like. Well, but being even like, they would at, say we're at zero. But even yeah, well, but even Stephanie would say you know, and staying on Raw. The, you know, like, and that's how that's she what, would introduce a lot of those. That's what, it, so. they, yeah, they needs to be not that way. They need to stop link, linking it to where they had currently been, you yeah. know? Steph- yeah, because then Stephanie it does feel also weird. Piss- yeah. Stephanie also really pissed me off with, the, with her announcing of the draft picks because every draft pick, she would give it away before saying the name. You know what I mean? It would be something like, you know, oh, and the star of the KO show heading to SmackDown, or, you know, yeah. the Monday Night Messiah. Like, she would always give away <laughs> the name before she just said it. You know, I'd be like, just say the name. I don't need just, a fucking description of them. I, I got to use the uh, the corporately designed nickname that we have to have, so. God. Got to so, get yeah, those in there. The draft has happened. Um, you know, things are kind of fairly unchanged in the, title pictures though 
Yeah, and even in the mid card storylines, the mid card storylines right. just changed shows. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Yeah, so that's still dealing with the Mysterios and all that <laughs> fun stuff. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, as far as interesting goes, it's about as good as it gets with this company nowadays. So you gotta enjoy it while you while you can, because now it's the drudge of nothing until the next time we have a draft. Oh yeah. Yep. Goodness. All right. The, such a such a positive, sunny outlook going forward for wrestling fans. So that now brings us now to our time travel portion of the show. Tony, let's flip the switch, turn the dials, and hit the big red button to take us back to October of 2019. The Four Things Time Capsule. The Four Things Are. Number one, on October 6th, in the world of, I guess... Well, there's two things that happen on the same day, both having to do with uh, protesting. Uh, 99 oh. Iraqis died. 4,000 were injured in protests over five days against living conditions, unemployment, and corruption, according to a human rights group. Uh, that took place in Iraq. And then also tens of thousands of Hong Kong protesters marched in defiance on a new ban on face masks uh, due to the facial re- recognition technology sort of thing. Uh, that was going on with China, you know, locking down Hong Kong, and which they've just continued to do till to this day. But uh, yeah, not a, not great things there. But those were happening in October of '99, or excuse me, 2019. Ah, uh, yes, the good news all around the world continues. <laughs> Number two on October 8th, the FBI confirmed Samuel Little is America's most prolific serial killer, verifying uh-huh. more than half of his 93 confessed murders. Have you heard about this, dude? I don't think I have. So from FBI.gov, uh, it says that Samuel Little uh, has confessed to 93 murders, and FBI crime analysts believe all of his confessions are credible. Law enforcement hmm. has been able to verify 50 of those, with many more pending final confirmation. Little says that he strangled his 93 victims between 1970 and 2005. Most of the victims' deaths, however, originally ruled of overdoses or attributed to accidental or undetermined causes. Some bodies were never found. Uh, for many years, Samuel Little believed that he would not be caught because he thought no one was accounting on his victims, said the VICAP crime analyst Christy Palazzo. Quote, even though he is already in prison, the FBI believes it is important to seek justice for each victim and to close every case possible, end quote. So, yeah, he's got 93 uh, confessed murders. There's a bunch of them that are, like, unnamed that if you just go on this website about it, like people have like descriptions on when it happened to see if people can link it to where their family members disappeared or whatever. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so uh, sad news there, but I guess good news in the fact that they figured out that it was this guy. Well, yeah. And I just, you know, the, the extent of police investigation at, you know, back in the day, yep. uh, uh, overdose. Oh, uh, sir. She has handprints around her neck. Looks like she was straight. Yep. Definitely overdose. You know, yeah. that was <laughs> We don't have time to go look for somebody. What are we going to do? Use fingerprints? Well, uh, when you're looking at the time period, when you're looking at the time period as well, when you go and look at his uh, list of, of victims, it's almost all well, black women and, and white women out of strip clubs. Like, uh-huh, he's just yeah. murdering well, and, it, those people. Because if you've seen, too, on Netflix, there's a great documentary called The Confession Killer, and it's about uh, Henry... I can't remember his last name. But anyway, he went with the Texas Rangers and confessed to all these murders all over the country mm-hmm. and was treated like damn near royalty when he was in the custody of these Rangers. You know, he would get to travel to all these cities and he'd confess to these sheriffs about murders okay. he committed and 
all these cases were getting closed and it was all and then finally people started to be like hang on a second so he went from arkansas to new jersey to oregon to denver you know and then they were starting to like you know just it didn't add up and so then the documentary also kind of starts to look in at the rangers and how it was just easier to just take this guy at his word that he'd done all these things than to actually, you know, do much investigation. It's a really interesting documentary though. And it's just crazy. Like kind of how he was able to do what he did and how they treated him while they had him in custody and stuff. Definitely. So number three, taking a look at movie theaters leading up to tonight's event, we start off on September 19th of 2019 when the film abominable released making $207 million. I think it was a DreamWorks cartoon oh that's movie. right yeah i'd forgotten about that one also releasing that same weekend ad astra it made 144 what's, million and what's rambo up, last like what, blood who like what was that last one you just said rambo last blood oh yeah what was like the you know announcement four or five years ago that said we need to have a run of movies about space that are really long and quiet and somewhat boring because they just you not like ad astra I don't know. Just all those movies about you know everything in space there over the last four or five years. It's just all kind of the same shit. Like, well, you know, it's, oh, it's mind expanding, and it's you know it's such a visually stunning film, and I don't know. It's just they're all kind of the same. They're all kind of dull, in my opinion. I mean, I don't think that the there's the ones that I really liked. I don't think were dull at all. But the I see what you're saying. I think it's more of the fact that because in the culture there's a private space war going on like there's a there's a race right now with private companies trying to build space you know travel and all that other shit so i think maybe that's just triggering people's minds and so we're getting more space tv or and maybe space movies yeah i've not seen that astro though i've not seen that one i think that's one where brad trailer looked very slow and yeah yeah his dad He's looking for his dad, played by Tommy Lee Jones. Ah, so it's it's a sequel to Space Cowboys. Yes, exactly. Okay, so Rambo: Last Blood also came out that weekend. I never saw it. September twenty sixth. No, because that was Rambo on a farm fighting against people, like charging on his house or some shit. <laughs> Rambo, stand your ground. Uh, <laughs> September twenty sixth, the Sean the Sheep movie came out called Farmageddon. It made thirty three million dollars. I don't know. It was the only movie on that day. All right. September 27th, Three from Hell released. It made $5.5 million. I loved it. I have. I, I own it. I, I I've heard good things, I mean, and I'm sure it did fine on DVD, but it did not bring people out to theaters. No, I mean, you know, not. it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much better it would have done than that. I mean, the, none of those movies ever had a huge audience. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, Rob Zombie movie's always fun. Uh, October 2nd, Will Smith released Gemini Man. It made $176 million. Will Smith is like, you know, there's just, there's some actors that they have bad movies here and there and they kind of make a, Will Smith has just stepped in mud puddle after mud puddle (laughs) after mud puddle over like 10 years. He's always like attached to some big changing of the world movie that's going to be breathtaking and visually st- well, you know what was that shit he made with his son that M. Night Shyamalan directed is that where they're on the- Gemini Man they're on is the- that the one with no Gemini Man was the one that was going to change filmmaking because it was After Earth then and- After Earth is the other one I'm thinking okay. but yeah the Gemini Man this is the one where it was him and his younger counterpart yeah like, that's right 
fighting one another it's kind of a thing. And, him from Independence Day. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, I mean, shit, has he made a good movie since Independence Day? No, he has. But I not, mean, yeah, he not, has. Not but many. yeah, you said it's like, it's been a long run of not great movies. I'd argue that if it wasn't for Mission Impossible films, Tom Cruise is also in that same pattern of stepping in mud puddles gener- generally. Yeah, yeah, you're not. Yeah, you're, I mean, definitely. After like a certain point forward, you're not wrong. It's although I well we don't need to go into it, but I love the Jack Reacher movies. But anyway. also releasing on October second because I have to mention it because it made a one point one billion dollars. Uh, Joker. Yeah. Oh well, released. Isn't that the most successful R-rated film? I think of all time. It might be. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't brought brought, brought to you by there. the director of the Hangover films. Yeah. Number four, taking a look at the world of musical entertainment and popular culture, sitting atop the Billboard Hot 100 charts, was a singer known as Lizzo, with a song that I had heard in passing, like, all the time, and could never figure out what it was, or who sang it, or what was going on in it, because it was all, it was, it was like, when I was at girls' basketball games, and like, they're warming up before the game, I would hear it playing, or volleyball games it would be playing. And Makes I never sense. knew what it was until today when I happened to look this up and hit play and was like, oh, that's that song. Um, yeah, it's called Truth Hurts, and it was number one. So I will never, ever, 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 ever be your side chick. I put the sting in single. Ain't worried about a ring on my finger. So you can tell your friend, shoot your child when you see him. It's okay, he already in my DMs. There you go. There you go. Have you heard that one before? No. No, that sounds all right. See, I was curious. I, was, I, was, I had not heard it. Like, other than at those arenas, I, I hadn't really heard it much. But, uh, yeah, it was just always <laughs> very common hearing that. Uh, and then that brings us to October 4th of 2019, when WXW Westside Extreme Wrestling sold about 360 seats to their annual all-women's tournament. According to Figure 4 Online, the annual all-female tournament had become a fall weekend tradition after first taking place in 2016. Past winners include the alpha female Jazzy Gabbert, Tony Storm, and Maiko Satamura, who bested Lufisto in a great main event last year. According to Tassilo Jung, the NXT UK tapings threw a wrench into their planning, but they were able to come up with a roster of talented women, which nonetheless lacked a little bit of star power in comparison with recent years. Soraya Knight, the mother of Paige, had to pull out of the show due to a stomach bug. She was replaced by Vicious Vivian, who is a trainee at the German Hurricane Wrestling School. I mean, it's like I understand maybe it was last minute, but it's like that was that's the best you could do on short notice even like that. I don't know. I mean, what would you I think that there's not really room on the show to have much more of a longer match there. True. That's true. Yeah, no, I guess it didn't hurt. It kind of have, worked well right, for kind the of, flow. That's true. No, you're right. That did work to their advantage, I suppose. <laughs> but, but that also makes sense is, because yeah. that also makes sense because whenever that match began, I was like, who is this person? Because I hadn't really noticed that during the open video, they only show seven people. Oh, like, I okay. didn't count them. 
So in the opening, like they go through the name, you know, Baby Allison, Lena Austin. They go through yeah. the link. And I, and I remember there was no Vicious Vivian graphic <laughs> or announcement. Like, so later yeah, when that match starts, I'm like, who? Oh, yeah. I didn't know who it was either when she was coming out, but I also didn't really pay super close attention to the intro video. So I mm-hmm. hadn't necessarily known who to expect, really. Um, but yeah, so this show takes place during a whole weekend of activity for WXW. They had a big tag team tournament. They kind of sandwiched around this show as well. Um, so there was all kinds of events because then tomorrow night at this show is going to have the women's championship match in the middle of the tag team tournaments day two, I guess. Ah, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, the winner will receive a women's championship match, as you kind of alluded to there. Yeah. So big things on the line here. Is, Graphics. What's that? If In case we haven't fully said it yet, the, the Femme Fatales 2019. Yes, WXW. Yeah, they uh, the open video highlights the past tournaments. We see the winners. Uh, they mention that the uh, winner of this one will get a title shot. Uh, we then go through the names. <laughs> Dude, Maybe Allison. Now, I warned you ahead of time, but when I started mm-hmm. this, I thought, oh, I guess we're watching a show with closed captions because right. it just starts and it's all in German here, this intro video. And I, I was watching the, the closed caption, but then I was also watching the video and I, I determined in the middle of this that I was like, if this continues throughout the show, I'm probably going to ignore a lot of the closed caption because I can't watch what's on screen and read this at the same time sure. with how fast this editing is going. <laughs> no. You're not wrong. No, I looking back, I wish the announcing had been in German and I couldn't understand it because <laughs> it was the absolute worst part of this show. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on this commentary. But anyways, uh, yeah, the, our field is announced. Baby Allison, Lana Austin, Layla Hirsch, Sammy Jane, Lufisto, Sesson Moth, Martina, and Wesna. And yeah. it just went completely over my head that that was only seven names whenever I was watching this. But, <laughs> oh, um, and then we come out and we see the trophy being brought to the ring. Yes. The yeah. trophy with a loose top, we'll find out later. Yeah, very loose top, actually. Um, yeah, this, this venue here, it's like a, a concert kind of hall, sort of a place, a big tall roof. Um, Not a huge audience around the ring. They've got like a group of people on each side, but then the camera side, there's a little bit of space. And then behind that space, there's actually a barricade and then a whole bunch of audience. They'll show us a few times Mm -hmm. where you'll see this like big crowd. And it's like, why don't we see those people more often? (laughs) Yeah, I would suggest putting your hard camera showing the huge. Yes. audience side instead. Because, I mean, you know, the people on either side of the ring, it's intimate and it's kind of cool, but Mm -hmm. it looks like that's the only people that are there. Yeah. It looks like it's just the, like, 12 people you can see at ringside. I felt like we were right back in 2020 NXT trainees, like, at ringside, (laughs) man. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, you might uh, highlight that huge crowd that you can't see for most of the show. Yeah, no no chairs along the sides of the ring, though. Just a couple people, you know, kind of standing about three people deep, generally. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but that's when all of a sudden a voice speaks out in English. And I was just <laughs> yeah. like, oh, huh. what's happening? I was like, oh, yeah. who are these guys? Oh, right. awesome. We're going to get English commentary. I don't know yeah. if these guys, if this is like second language English. At some points, it kind of feels that way. Um, there are times. But this is Andy Jackson and Rico Bushido. What are your thoughts on these two? Clowns. <laughs> Just two of the worst 
commentators I've ever heard do a wrestling show. <laughs> there's moments when I feel like there's a charm to their back and forth, but it yeah. doesn't happen often enough. A lot of times it feels well, a little bit forced. Well, and I'll tell you what frustrates me the most. It's not what maybe is the worst thing about these guys is that they're also unprepared. Yeah, they are. And when they're unprepared and then they laugh about how unprepared they are and they make jokes about how they don't have anything to say about these individuals. And then what happens is in those moments when they don't have anything to say is when they start making distasteful jokes. Yeah. About the matches. Yeah. And they don't just and they don't just call the action. That's what really (laughs) pissed me off is when they were like laughing about them not knowing anything about Wesna, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. or, any, you know, it's like th- if you could at least be prepared to speak about the people in this tournament, but they couldn't be bothered to do that. So that on top of the distasteful jokes and the comments about, you know, their bodies and thing, you know, just the, yeah. I just, I just didn't care for any of that. So no, I thought, understandable. and I just didn't, I just overall thought they were bad at their jobs. Yeah. Yeah, no, and you're not wrong. And, and we'll hear some of that. Second language, and if English is their second language and that leads to some of this, you know, and then I guess maybe that's not all their fault. But yeah, it's no, terrible. There's, there's definitely it's terrible still and, moments and it takes away from solid. Right. What's that? No, there, and there's, there's still moments regardless if it's, you know, the English is a second language thing. Like that can give away some of the awkwardness and I'll explain exactly what I mean when I play the audio later about that. But right. then there's other moments, like you said, where it's just like inappropriate stuff and it's just like, what the fuck are you guys mm-hmm. doing? Like, we're, this is 2019, man. Uh, but yeah, so right. Vicious Vivian, I have her in my notes here because as the, all the women are being brought out to the ring, cause we apparently didn't show the video that we all just watched to the live crowd. So we got to walk them out Probably to the not. ring to stand around yeah. the, the trophy and take a picture. Uh, but yeah, Vicious Vivian, I have her on my notes because gets not a single hand clap. All the other girls, at least one got like a reach up and a hand clap. Vivian, nothing. She just, she tries <laughs> to reach out for one. The person pulls away. And, uh, oh, that's, that's they get sad. Well, that makes, that makes a lot more sense now, now that you mentioned that she's a, like last minute yes. replacement and, and she's I, literally a student at the like wrestling academy. And I had so. not realized that going into this when I was writing that note. I was just like, Oh, right. they really didn't like Vivian for some reason. Right. So well that makes more sense. So uh but anyway, yeah, we take a picture with the trophy because that's what happens in these situations and uh we start the action. They have nice little uh interstitials here that Yeah. Give you a graphic about the upcoming match. Yeah, so you like you get your graphic with a picture of each girl and names of the the women here that are coming out to the ring. Uh, but we also get this music that's going to play throughout the show, and it yeah. is like it had the open part, but there was talking over it. So this is where you really get a clean version of it. So take a listen to the, the WXW uh, Femme Fatale music. So before we got recording this show, I was cutting audio for the show, and I accidentally hit the uh, infinite replay button on my when I tried to hit play on that the one time, and I was doing yeah. something else typing over here on my other computer, and that thing yeah. played like thirty times before I realized that it had played like thirty. I was like, "This is the most like monotonous, ridiculous music." But yeah, it's just kind of re- very repetitive, and it's going to play going in each one. And I thought at first this is going to be like the uh, the old PWG DVDs where they're just covering up the entrances. No, we're still going to get entrances right. with music. True. True. No, you're not wrong. But they just play uh, this first. Yeah, that, that song has like a very odd like '90s R&B thing going on. Like, yeah, the v- difficult to hear like women's vocals, like right. just kind of inside the music. 
Yeah. So but anyway, yeah, that takes us to match number one. First round action. Oh, Session Moth Martina battling Vesna. And uh, we've seen Vesna, at least in the last time we watched this WXW. She's a lot of fun and yep. absolutely a veteran in the ring. Oh, yeah. Session Moth Martina, I had not seen a whole lot of. I have only seen her tweeting and seen like a few gifts here and there of like matches that she's had and general, mm-hmm. you know, nonsense that this character gets up to. Um, but yeah, this is a, an interesting contrast. I was really excited when I saw that this was a first round matchup. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, good to see they were still able to get the session moth here. Um, you know, I guess that, that the NXT UK tapings, you know, maybe screwed that up for some people. But um, no, I was very happy to see her here. She's uh, now signed to Ring of Honor. Uh, ah. Unfortunately, she she literally made like three appearances and then COVID happened. And gotcha. So she's been locked away. But yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to seeing her get an opportunity. Her to, character would be very strange in the socially distant world. Right, exactly. She's yeah. It's actually about the worst thing that could happen to her. Um, but no, yeah, I'm excited to see you know when she gets an opportunity to kind of come back here and you know be exposed to a larger audience in the states and uh, definitely I could and see and she's someone too that I think um, you know I wouldn't be surprised to see her signed by the WWE honestly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the times, whenever you see the the especially the women on the indies that have like. Not only are they good at you know what they do in the ring, but they are mm-hmm. able to have these characters that have something that's like uh, it's it's a kind of out there concept. You know, Chelsea right. Green is yeah. now a, a, you know seemingly just waiting in the wings for whatever storyline that Vince McMahon finally thinks up next time he gets a chance to see her at catering. Yeah. But yeah, or Shotzi. Shotzi's a great example yeah. of you know creating a brand and a character and mm-hmm. making yourself. That's true. You know. They undeniable, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you've, it's as far as, you know, not only can you perform in the ring, like you mentioned, but you've also developed and created a great character. So, yeah. So Martina comes out spraying, you know, her beer out of her mouth as she's dancing around the ring. Uh, Jackson says that her spleen gave out when she grinds on the ring announcer and kind of falls down to the mat for a minute. (laughs) And then she gets her second wind. Yes, and the announcers don't like Martina's chances when her opponent comes out, which is the Croatian Panther, Vesna. Right, which is understandable. Like I said, she's a veteran. She's also um, a good amount larger than the Session Moth, so mm-hmm. um, she's going to be at a disadvantage from a strength standpoint. And uh, I, the, and this this commentary this commentary team, like, here we go, an early example of they're just like, oh, we don't know what we're doing, we're just going to laugh about it. Uh, Andy Jackson says, remember the wars Wesna had with Tony Storm? And then there's a literal just dead air. Long pause. <laughs> and then Rico's like, uh, yeah, I remember that. And then they both <laughs> laugh. Because they don't remember that. Isn't it funny that they don't know anything about these competitors? Oh, see, I didn't take it as that. I just took it as they were laughing at the awkward silence when they didn't have like a immediate response to that right well this is something they do throughout the show though they both like will tee the other one up knowing that they don't Uh, have a response and then they laugh about it and it's just (laughs) wildly unprofessional in my opinion Uh, so martina has disappeared during wesna's entrance here uh and then we see her that she's amongst the crowd wesna smiles as martina gets in the ring and the fans chant in english please don't die which makes me laugh that like they're just all chanting in these english phrases here it's true uh, yes. Martina asks for a minute when the bell rings and she takes a swig of beer and then charges Vesna who shoulder blocks her like it was nothing. And, yep. uh, the power 
uh, you know, advantage. It's too much. It's too too much. much. The Wesna has too much power. Um, The Session Moth drinks some more and gets taken down, this time with a clothesline. Uh, Vesna then with a boot to the face and a big chop on Martina. Um, Wesna at this point now is just punishing the Session Moth with more chops. Um, We get a forearm followed by the headstand head scissor from the Session Moth. Um, as she kind of fires up, hits some charging forearms in the corner. Um, Vesna would avoid the Session Moth, but she'd get a boot up as uh, Vesna was charging in and then delivered a top rope drop kick and covered the Croatian Panther for a two count. Yeah. And it's sometime around this point. I can't remember exactly where it's at here, but I have in my notes here. This is when I started to think about the, the idea of it being a second language issue because the announcers were kind of awkward at this point already. The war segment had happened or the war comment had happened. Um, there was another one where, yeah, Rico's talking about she should have just come prepared and not drunk. She shouldn't be drunk here. It's like, well, that's the character. I don't know. Like, okay. Um, but yeah, so the re- the reason I think that the second language the second language thing is a-, a barrier is that it feels like everything somehow becomes generic in that translation. You know what I mean? Like they're saying the same things that native speakers might have said, and it might have sounded a little bit better. But it's ah. just because it feels generic, like this one specifically. And Weston seems like, although she's hurt and better than Bruce, she reminds me a little bit of this old veteran karate master. God. Who you underestimate, but he can still kick your ass at any time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess the, the trope of an old karate master. Yeah, I guess, okay, but it's like, give me like a specific one. But I mean, they would yeah. then go on to talk about the drunken master with Jackie Chan for some reason. But Well, but that is another example where I was like going crazy because <laughs> they just start having this like conversation amongst themselves while the wrestling match is happening. Yeah, about Jackie Chan. They're asking each other if they've seen the drunken master. And then they don't really say anything about the fucking movie. They just... No. Hey, have you seen the drunken master? (laughs) Pause, 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 pause. Ah, yeah, I've seen the drunk... It's like like the fucking room table read with this commentary, man. Like, these guys... It is infuriating because these women deserve... This tournament is very good, in fact. And, yeah. Oh. Ah, these guys are just the worst. So Martina's fired up with forearms. She hits a big headbutt to Vesna, who fires back with strikes. An enzigiri by Martina and an RKO, but Vesna kicks out at two. Uh, Vesna fires up with a Samoan drop and gets a two count off that. She continues to hit chops on Martina, and they've been talking about how red the chest of Martina is becoming because of these chops. Um, Martina dives off the top rope with a code breaker, then it's a crucifix bomb and pins Wesna and moves on to the semifinals. Session Moth Martina, your winner. I was very yeah. surprised. Yeah, I was I was too. I uh, thought a really solid opener here from these two ladies. Uh worked well together, I thought. And uh mm. I like how after that Vesna was just kind of like, yeah. She wasn't really all that upset about it all. Like she kicked kinda, the like, ropes once, but then like right. her face didn't didn't portray yeah. the same amount of anger. <laughs> I think she was like, all right, yeah, I didn't want to wrestle again tonight. This is fine. Yeah, and then she, you know, she takes the handshake from Martina, who's unsure about it. Martina shakes her hand and then twerks on her a little bit and then runs off. This is that. That's what she does. Uh, yeah, so good one there for the session moth. And then in something that I was hoping would be constant, I did too. I wanted this for so many more wrestlers, but they're like, nah, we got one girl get- going to the semifinals. We just only. Yeah. 
doing this. We one. get a yeah, we get a great hype video, you know, vignette character kind of profile on Layla Hirsch, who's in this yeah. tournament. And I was like, oh, what a great idea. This is a you know, hopefully there'll be more of this throughout the show. And these no. are we're we're talking about an indie show, but this is like high quality production, I felt like. Like oh, this yeah. was a television level production. Like it didn't feel like this was, you know, somebody's DVD production that they put on iPay-Per-View. Oh no, no, it's yeah, you can definitely tell. It's not yeah, it's being done by they do a good semi-professionals. Job. Um yeah, but you know, Layla tells her story about being adopt adopted to the US from Russia. Uh she grew up in an orphanage, it was very disciplined. Um, she wrestled in high school um, against boys or with boys, obviously, and then uh, wrestled women as well on the international stage competitively. Yeah. So an extensive amateur background. Uh, she was then trained by DJ Hyde and CZW. I don't know how much I would brag about that. But anyway, she got her. <laughs> she learned her basics in the combat zone. Yeah, wrestling here's school. here's a little yeah, bit sorry. of uh, oh. of her after that point, because that's where she talks about oh, okay. being trained in CZW. Now, I'm here in Germany. I'm here to prove people that I belong here, that I am one of the best. Don't let my height fool you. I'm small, little, whatever. I get told that every day, but I don't care. Amateur wrestling and training prepared me to step in the ring with anybody. I don't care how big, how tall you are, or whatever. I will get in the ring with anybody. I can give and take. And at the end of the day, when I get in that ring, everybody's going to find out and know just how legit Layla Hirsch is. Like, it's not like it was, you know, incredible, but it was it was good. It told me what this character is, and I was excited to see what she had to do in the ring. I, yeah, I mean, I thought it was, yeah, I mean, it was, she's obviously still kind of learning her way, but it was very uh, UFC the kind of videos mm-hmm. that they air before their matches, you know, yes. they're just kind of being themselves and they're not, you know, a cartoon character necessarily, or they're not, you know, able to go out there and spin some great yarn as far as yeah. telling you what everything they're going to do to you. Um, first of all, I think don't let Vince see her because she will be immediately paired with Shorty G. That's that, the only problem, man. Like, because I'm telling you right now, cause I saw, I told you, man, like I've seen this gal and she is, amazing and i mean and her performance on this unless she has a few issues but yeah overall i mean like sign her up i mean i think she's Mm -hmm. awesome you know like i think she should be absolutely in the mix of things she reminds me she's has a lot of similarities with like Shayna baszler and that obviously makes sense with their backgrounds you know yeah no she definitely has a lot of uh, similarities to Shayna baszler um and just like you said with the the height thing, like I noticed her coming out and they did the you know the announcements and they all came out mm-hmm. to the ring that like oh this girl that's coming out her eyes are at the top rope like that is that is a, a quite a quite a height difference here but yeah she looks legit like she's very strong she's mm-hmm. thick she's got like yeah. these huge legs and yep. when no, she's I mean, in the ring she looks comfortable. Well, I mean you've got Casey Catanzaro in NXT, mm-hmm. so I mean there's. A- and then if you think about it, I mean, fuck, Alexa Bliss, what is she, oh, 4-2? Can you I imagine? Mean, Vince is obsessed with factions right now. If he brought right. back Hornswoggle and had Hornswoggle lead, oh, like, no. Drake, Maverick, fucking right. <laughs> this chick, and uh, and whoever you just said just a second ago, Casey Catanzaro, like, all yeah. in a tag team, or all in a faction. There you go. Well, God, I hope they, not. They yeah, no, so I mean, 
I don't think she's all that much shorter than like a Sasha Banks or an Alexa Probably Bliss. Not. Sasha's pretty short. I, f- I forget about that. You know, so I don't know, but I yeah, I was really impressed with her. I thought she was great. Yeah. So this and this is a great video. Like we said, I thought that this would have been great to have for more of these women. Like maybe give me the same thing for Sammy Jane. I don't know a whole lot about her, but nope. <laughs> well, she's a local. I feel like she was also on that last one we watched. I think she was, and yeah, but also like all the video that they show of her in her entrance video has blonde hair, and then she comes out looking completely different. So it's True. different, but. Yeah. That's yeah, it takes us to match number two. First round action. It's Layla Hirsch against Sammy Jane. Yeah. And the announcer immediately calls Layla Hirsch tiny. And the other announcer goes, Tiny? You can't say tiny. And he's like, Okay, stocky. She's very stocky. They both agree, yeah, she's very stocky, but obviously powerful. <laughs> like, wait, well, okay, I guess that's all right. Um, this was where I was yeah. like, maybe the second language thing might be affecting their choice of words, but I don't know. <laughs> Uh yeah, then Sammy Jane, the Huntress, comes out, which made me immediately think of uh, the Harley Quinn movie with is that Elizabeth, Elizabeth Winstead? That's yeah. who that's Elizabeth Winstead, who by the way is maybe my favorite character in that movie. Yeah, she's like, she's good in that movie. <laughs> I just, I just love how she's you know she, she keeps trying to nail the like you know the big impassionate like diatribe from the villain before <laughs> she kills him, and she kind of keeps messing up. And then just how impressed everyone is with her name because it is a great name, the Huntress. Like oh yeah. I, the ladies in wrestling, I'd be upset with Sammy Jane and be like, damn it, she took the Huntress. But what is this pose that Sammy is doing? Is this specific to this match, or is this just like the pose that the Huntress does? I didn't understand the, like, what one she hand do? up here, one hand down here, like, the hands up like this, but all the way up top, and then she would put the hand here. It I, was I really don't recall. Strange. I, don't, I don't think I was paying that much attention. Because she, she does it at the top of the ramp, and then she comes down to the ring, and she does it in the ring as well, and I was like, I don't understand okay. what that was. Uh, but yeah, yeah. so... Like you said, you know, she seems to be a little bit more known here as far as this match goes, but the match gets underway with a headlock. There's a lot of fog and smoke from the Huntress's entrance that has just taken over the ring for the start of this match. Yeah, it's kind of like an episode of Thunder at this point after they'd set off all the pyro and then for the rest of the show you were just in a gray haze. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Layla would shove her off and drops Sammy with a shoulder tackle. Drop kick from Layla followed by double knees to the face in the corner. And uh, at this point, DP, we get the great analysis from, I can't even tell their voices apart most of the time. One of the morons compares Layla Hirsch to Tyler Bate and maybe even Jeff Cobb. Oh, which I, I didn't like, hear those names, but. <laughs> which, which, I mean, I guess. Is this the guy that was random. saying that, that she was his favorite because of that? I guess. Because Andy's like talking about her being his favorite. To win the match okay. or win the tournament. Um, oh, yeah, because he goes on about that all night. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Sammy hits a missile drop kick from the corner for a two count, a snap suplex. Rico asks Andy if he bet on this game, as they say that Layla looks to be in trouble at this point in the match. And Rico calls it getting her behind kicked. Well, because right. he's going on and on about it's another one of the things about them being terrible at commentary. He is just gushing about Layla. Yeah. And she while she's is- losing. He gets her ass kicked the entire time he's doing it, and they don't say anything about Sammy Jane. So yeah, so then they finally are like, I feel like he called him out on like, hey dude, she's not. Yeah, she doesn't have the advantage here. Like, why don't you stop talking, telling us how great she is oh. as she's losing? Well, like just as they get done talking about that, Layla begins fighting back, hits a nice German suplex, a big kick for a two count, 
And then I got distracted watching the three dudes on the right side of the ring opposite Hardcam, who are just staring with these creepy blank expressions at everything that is happening in the ring right now. Did you notice well, these guys? No, I didn't see them. I... <laughs> Front row on the right, like screen right. And there's okay. just three of them. And when I posted a picture of this match, uh, Jake Hall re- yeah. replied with a close-up picture of those three guys. Like, he yeah. picked them out of the, just the still image that he thought they were <laughs> awkward and weird. And I was like, yeah, they fucking are. And they are yeah. the whole goddamn match. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I guess they were just really paying attention. Um, arm drag from Layla and then a cross arm bar, which is kind of her finishing maneuver as they get very excited about the possibility of this thing being over. Uh, Sammy, though, counters with a roll-up and gets a two-count. Sammy Jane then sets Layla on the second rope, facing outwards towards the crowd. And uh, she then would run off the ropes and slide underneath her, tipping her backwards in a German suplex-like position uh, in the ring, which I thought was really cool and something I hadn't seen before. See, I feel like I've seen someone do this in the last, like, year in, in WWE women's wrestling. I can't remember who it was. For some reason, Sasha Banks is popping in my head as maybe possibly one of the people that attempted it or mo- was well, being done to her. But I, I feel think, like I've seen this move. I, maybe yeah. uh, Nikki Cross is a possibility as, as one of the people that did this move. But I've seen somebody do this. No, I think you're right. I think it might have been Sasha. But I, I think the way she did it, I think I feel like she didn't just slide out of the ring i felt like she grabbed her and like it was more of a snap kind of a just situation like stayed there once she pulled her down yeah but, but no i think be. you're right i think you're right i have i think something similar to this has been done but the, the announcers are losing their mind you know you want to put over the moves that's probably a good sure. thing but yeah i have never ever seen that move in my entire life i have right. never seen that move in my whole life never once and i was just right. like jesus dude uh um, yes yeah, yeah so sammy follows up with a running neck breaker and gets a two count and I didn't necessarily love this finish just because it's all very fast. Like Layla yeah. would block a suplex attempt and lock the arm, lock on the arm bar, and pick up the victory. It was just things took a very quick turn where it was like all Sammy, and then suddenly Layla well, got this arm bar. And it was kind yeah, of- I do like the idea of like the arm bar not being something that we sit and struggle in like a figure four. True. Though. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Yeah, but yeah, so that that's the win there, I guess, for Layla Hirsch. It was it was kind of a quick finish for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, I but thought it was a good match. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely a good match and a good uh, opening appearance here for Layla Hirsch. Uh, and that brings us now to the match graphic for match number three, as we get no hype video for either of these women either. It's Lana Austin battling Baby Allison. And uh, that was the name that I was the most curious about when I first saw the uh, the list of ladies that we'd be seeing on the show because I'd never heard the name before. Um, but Rico Bushido says that Baby Allison is one of his favorite wrestlers. Why? Oh, yeah. One of my favorite wrestlers in WXW. You know why? Why? She is so sexy, man. So scary, but so sexy. Aus Frankfurt am Main. The witch bitch of wrestling, Baby Allison! This just feels like there's just... Like, are the Germans just more horny than the rest of... like? Because we get very horny in this match from these announcers. Oh, yes, they do. Um, I don't know. And it's also, you know, what's frustrating for, makes me mad about that is it's like, so here you have this woman who has developed this persona and this character that is supposed to be kind of you know, projecting this fear or, you know, just like, I don't know. It's just she's not trying to be a sex appeal character. Well, you know what I mean, like, I mean, it's, she's not, somewhat. it's not her intention. 
Well, but that's not like the, her character. Her character is like dark, mysterious, and like supposed to be kind of a scary deal. So when he's just like, I really like her because she's sexy, it just is a complete bubble burst of anything she's done from a character development standpoint. Lana Austin, Lana Austin's character is her looks. Gotcha. Like that is that's her thing. She comes out, is you know, is she? It's not something that she's necessarily like shying away from. Yeah, that's kind of part of. Well, her that's character. why. Until like I was feeling the same way that you were. That's why I let the audio continue until you hear the announcer in the ring. Because then it just feels like this is that 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 is what this character is trying to put over. Is that that this? She's also supposed to be this like dangerously sexy character that's like a vampire. <laughs> You know, because when they call out the witch bitch, I was just like, oh, okay, that's what they're trying to do here. But it just feels a little awkward when it's Rico just, oh, she's so sexy, man. Like, just (laughs) the way the accent cracked me up. I mean, it would be like Alexa Bliss coming out in, like, fiend mode. And Corey Greaves would be like, man, she's so hot tonight. Look how sexy she is. (laughs) You know, like, no, that is not the... Anyway. Just don't um, let Jim Ross say it, because then we'll get the whole internet upset. I know. Lana reminds Andy of an Akon song. <laughs> yeah. Austin, who reminds me of that song. Um, oh, how did it go again? I see you whining and grinding up on that pole. <laughs> I can see you looking at me and you already know. Uh, <laughs> if you don't know, the next word is I want to fuck you. <laughs> No, like I was just like, geez, that's the song that she reminds you of. But now that you make at least that that's part of her gimmick, I guess. But Jesus. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, she's yeah, Instagram model kind of. And yeah, Yeah, they talk about her Instagram being popular and everything. Right. Right. She's a curvy gal. We'll leave it at that. Um, Yeah. And uh, the match starts and the 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 wrestlers are going to bring attention directly to that as baby Allison begins comparing her own butt to Lana Austin's butt. This just I, felt very like late '90s wrestling. I mean, they end up having yeah. like actual moves, so it's better than right. that. But as far as just like the attitude going into it, just feels a little bit, uh, I don't know, male fail, male male fan pandering. Right, it is odd. You're, it's a very, yeah, it's a strange way to start the match. I guess it's like you know you get the gold dust head games kind of a scenario, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just comes across like you said as male written attitude era level like, bullshit. How about so. by a round of applause, who has the better butt? Like that's what right. it felt like we were that's, about to do. Um, we almost do. But Lana Austin's having none of it. She hits a big forearm, slams baby Allison to the mat and hits a seated drop kick, a somersault snap mare and a clothesline. And Allison just stops Austin on the apron and throws her into the ring post. And that's when the announcers are just, just waxing poetic about how sexy all of this is. And Allison is enraged. She is so incredibly mad over what transpired earlier. Now she's grabbing that butt. Oh, she's not shy about it. Oh, oh. you know, sometimes when I do commentary, I forget that people are listening. <laughs> well, sometimes I question if you really know that we're doing commentary and not sitting at each other's houses and chilling. But that's good. that makes you special, Rico. That makes you special. Oh, God. Yeah, so that, like, happened. The little beep I cut, like, ten seconds out of them just, like, actually calling the match, but goodness. Because yeah, who cares? Nobody wants to hear that. Uh, yeah, so those two are just the worst. Um, Allison would then roll Lana Austin into the ring, laying in punches. 
Alana comes back with a forearm. We get the Matrix Tristratus style. Allison uh, avoiding a clothesline, bending over backwards. She then hits a DDT and pins Lana by her boobs for a two. Yeah. Yep. That's I why I was thinking. What... That's why I mean, like, I feel like this is part of her character as well. Yeah. Even I though guess, it feels yeah. like a dated style of a character, but whatever. Um, yeah. Right. So Austin kicks out of that, even though the other woman was like squatting on top of her boobs um Mm -hmm. baby allison does a stink face now to austin in the corner enrico says that's not bad at all that's she's a lucky woman um lana austin then hits a clothesline and a second clothesline a russian leg sweep but it can only get a two count and that's when the announcer starts singing again as andy tells us that her outfit is friends themed and they sing the first few lines of that song um (laughs) And then baby Allison hits a clothesline and gets a two count. Well, it was like a spear I have here. I think there yeah. was a miscommunication. It, it didn't go well. Um, but yeah, Lana Austin kicks out at two. Um, Lana then right on camera, like they have like a pretty fairly tight shot. It says, kick me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Allison kicks her and Lana catches it, delivers a headbutt, a DDT, one, two, three, your winner. Lana Austin. Yeah. And, you know, even though the announcers were driving me fucking bananas this whole match. Right. I thought that Lana Austin came off really impressive. Like, she oh, yeah. can actually wrestle. And, she, you know, even though this is the character that she's got, like, she seems really well, you know, rounded mm-hmm. here as far as this goes. She works well with the crowd. The crowd was into everything that she had here in the match. And yeah. uh, I was excited to see her go on in the, the tournament. No, I was really impressed with Lana Austin in this match. And, uh, yeah, I baby Allison I liked very little about and was pulled she down the quality so, of this match. So much on second viewing of uh I can't remember her name, Yolandi, I think it is, from fucking the South African Die Antword. What? You know who D Antword are? The uh hip hop group. They were in Chappie, the movie. Um, oh, okay. No, I mean I I don't the girl from that movie is uh, also part of the rap group there. Uh, she's okay. with Ninja. And uh, she has kind of a similar haircut to what Baby Allison has. And so they're ah. kind of familiar there. Um, okay. Yeah. We now go to match four. Yeah. Match number four. It's the final first round matchup. It's Vicious Vivian taking on Lufisto. So, yeah. yeah. A uh, big, you know, good to see Lufisto here, who um, at this point in 2019 has was kind of on a comeback slash possible winding down tour. Yeah. And all that's kind of basically been off the table now. I think she's pretty much just back and <laughs> looking for new challenges. She was the highest ranked uh, woman, I think, at number 35 in PWI's uh, 50 best women wrestlers, um, out, you know, outside of people signed by like WWE, Impact, oh, okay. or AEW, or anything like that. She was. Highest rated independent wrestler, been doing it for a very long time. So definitely, definitely one of the best. Yeah. So the announcers are talking about how this may be her last tour of Germany, but Rico says, "No way, she'll be here for years and years." And I was like, "Do you know that? That seems weird to just yeah. declare maybe, that." Maybe don't, yeah, maybe don't say years and years. That's kind of a lot. But as Lufisto's getting into the ring, Vivian attacks before the bell, and Lufisto, Lufisto just no sells it. Uh, turns around and hits some chops and punches and then a drop kick to the back for a two count. The announcers are calling it a mauling, uh, but Vivian starts to fight back. It's a roaring clothesline, 
tries for a second. She misses it. Lufisto punches her, kicks her in the head, and covers her for the one, two, three. At least that's what I saw. Was there a move before that? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. She had a snapmare followed by a drop kick for two. And then, yeah, fist chops. Yeah, Lufisto chops her down, kicks her in the face, and wins. Yeah. So the kick to the face is your winning move. Lufisto moves on. That was pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's better than just saying that, you know, one person was sick, so this person gets a bye. But right. that's basically no, what it was. It's basically what it was. But yeah, no, either way. And also, a great opportunity for Fish's Vivian, I'm sure in her get, early stages of development we get advertisements for wxw now with uh advertising tommy end matches if you want to go back and watch some of those uh but now mm-hmm. we're moving on to the semifinals so we've got four matches remaining in the show with the two semifinals a final and a championship match to go but this next one is match five it's the first semifinal session moth martina battling layla hirsch yeah <laughs> This was the match where everyone was in the ring uh, except the ref, and we were ready to go. And <laughs> finally, he like rushes into the ring and rings the bell. It's like, where yeah. have you been? Why wasn't there a ref in the ring? That was weird. Yeah, the announcer is as you know they're making their way out. Says, "I'm in a predicament. These are two wrestlers that I sympathize with in this match." <laughs> well. That happens in tournaments sometimes. Do you have anything else you'd like to say, or are you just stating he, the fact? He, he like, thinks that legit Layla will probably win. Well, all right. There you go. Good job. Um, the ladies have a pose off as Layla's showing off her physique and Session Moth, uh, not to be outdone, also shows the guns off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then pats her on the head. Yeah, Martina jokes about how short she is. Her shoves her down and flexes at her again. Uh, then we get a test of strength, which Layla gets the better of Martina, but Martina falls backwards, which whips Layla across the ring. I thought that was well, pretty cool. Yeah, and it's also it's always uh, you know good to know that every country is equally as offensive about speaking about other countries as uh, we hear. The Germans are not to be outdone, mentioning that the moth is from Ireland, so she's used to dealing with leprechauns. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I forgot they brought up the leprechaun thing. Uh, single leg takedown by the legit one, and she holds on to a leg submission, but Layla gives the moth a noogie as she transfers up to an arm. And then I have here a quote, Layla probably thinks she's the only person to mess up Session Moth's hair, but I've got news for her. She's not! <laughs> I was just like, was that, that was the end? Okay, uh, all right. That was a weird well, statement. again, it's more of the distasteful commentary where you're, you know, insinuating that <laughs> she's getting rough having rough sex i guess and people are messing with her hair like that's just hilarious pal let me tell you <laughs> so the session moth fails for a head scissors as she like does the handstand thing but it's just like completely to the right of layla layla sells it anyway throwing herself into the corner uh martina with a running european uppercut then another one but layla dodges the third one and then martina hits the uber crossroads where you lift and then twist the person into the neck breaker I thought that was impressive yeah yeah definitely uh yeah Layla with the forearm shots and back-to-back german suplexes and a third she gets a two count on the moth uh we get a slapping contest from the knees of the ladies in the match um eventually working to their feet Layla would tie the moth up in the ropes and deliver a drop kick uh session moth though catches Layla with a headbutt and then goes to the top rope and kind of hit the top rope code breaker. She was <laughs> um, off 
substantially from the first attempt in the match with Wesna. Yeah. Um, it did still cover for a two count. So yes, making the best of the situation, I guess. So then we get not a great attempt at an arm bar by Layla, but Martina fights out of it and gets a two count to like, you know, kind of roll onto the pin. Uh, Martina ties Layla up into a weird position and the announcers laugh about how they don't think that there's technical soundness in the submission maneuver. Uh, Layla grabs on a Boston crab, but we get a rope break as the session moth gets to the ropes. Yeah. The ladies then fight from their knees again, uh, slapping and chopping one another. Uh, Layla with an enziguri goes to the top rope and completely botches a moonsault <laughs> and still pins session moth for the win. Yeah. I mean, she hits a moonsault, but there's just no well, one to hit it. There's no one there. Like she just goes straight she, up and down kind of from the first time Layla Hirsch went to the top rope on this show. They should have told her to stop going to the top rope. Yeah. It is an adventure every time she climbs to the top turnbuckle mm-hmm. for these for these moonsaults. And I can't believe she does one in the next match. <laughs> After how awful this one goes. Yeah. Yeah, because she so. misses Martina completely, but still just yeah. crawls onto her and pins her for the win. So stand up and do anything and then pin her. Yeah. You know? Probably better. Put her in, put her in the arm bar and make her <laughs> tap out. That would have made a lot more sense for sure. So, oh. but anyway, that uh, she celebrates briefly, and then that takes us to match number six. It's our second semifinal matchup. Has Lana Austin taking on Lufisto. Yes, and the announcers say to expect fireworks in this match. I see you winding and grinding up on that pole. Come on, sing it with me, Andy. It's Lana Austin. Grinding, grinding up on the floor. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, these two morons, oh, man. Oh, goodness. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, that was good stuff. Um, they tell us that Lana's style is friendly to the eye, and the announcers are right back to their Jerry Lawler modes. Um, I, I tried to be professional, but sometimes I can't. Right, then just don't say anything. Maybe that would be the best solution to that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the crowd is really behind Lufisto um, as she enters. Lana would pull some support her way. You know, when you're putting the crowd on the spot like that, of course they're going to yeah. cheer for you. No, they um, get like you get like dueling song chants for both yeah. women. Yep. So it's a split crowd here. They're very hot for both women. Uh, popular here. Lana with a roll up right as, as right away as soon as the bell rings, um, and then a backslide. And Andy calls a crucifix for some reason. It wasn't. It was a backslide. Yeah. Um, so she's trying to end things early here with Lefisto because, you know, the long game probably won't be in her favor. Yes. Um, she's taken down after this attempt with a kick to the leg, and Lufisto just beats her up in the corner. Yeah. She really starts just kind of attacking the leg a lot. Yeah. It's it's kind yes. of the the whole story of the match here. Andy Jackson says she's getting beat up like a woman in East Germany. She's getting beat up like a foreigner in East Germany. (laughs) That was Andy Jackson, ladies and gentlemen, a black man in Germany. (laughs) And then we just bring up race for no reason. I don't know. It's fucking awkward and weird. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Good God. Dragon Whip takedown uh, from Lufisto, and then she ties Lana up in a bow and arrow variation. Um, Lana almost has a real break, and Lufisto just lets go. And kicks her in the face, which I like that. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, then a vicious kick to the leg from Lufisto, Snapmare, followed by a spinal tap, and she covers Lana Austin for a two count. When Lana got the rope break, uh, the announcer said, Lana, obviously used to moving around with weight on her back, and they both start giggling as she gets the ropes. <laughs> it's just the worst. Uh, yeah, so she gets another rope break, like you said. They awkwardly talk about women uh, one announcer's dad has or hasn't put a beating on at one point. Um, yeah. Lufisto with chops that the fans really like. Uh, then on the apron, Lufisto kicks Lana in the head. The announcers talk like they're titling Pornhub videos as they say, The Pog, now attacking. Um, they call Lana Austin The Pog. I guess that's probably something that's a part of her Instagram thing. Maybe, but it's... <laughs> Seems That is a bit there. much. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're continuing here. Austin selling her leg and Lufisto just says, Stand up, come on. And uh, she can't really put a lot of weight on it. Another one of my just like pulling my hair out moments. These two men... Between the two of them, neither one can remember if Lana Austin has ever wrestled in WXW before. <laughs> they begin having a conversation about Lana Austin, and so neither one of them like, can tell the other one. Is this their first time watching this program? I don't understand where they I came from. I don't know. It just was driving me crazy. I couldn't believe here we're talking about this woman that's in this semifinal match, and we don't know. Oh, has she ever wrestled here before? I don't know. just <laughs> blew my mind. Uh, Lufisto ties up the leg of Lana Austin, who Lana would fire up. Um, it's cut off pretty quickly by Lufisto, who then puts the old-fashioned Terry Funk spinning knee hold, spinning toe hold on. Uh, working over that leg she's been kicking and working on the whole match. Uh, Lana would escape and hit a spinning forearm shot. Lana then was shots followed by a headbutt. And the crowd's hot for the pin count, but she only manages a two count. Yeah. Yeah, I thought she's that been, was I thought that was gonna be it there. Yeah, she's then right up with a stunner. For another hope spot, but again, Lufisto kicks out at two. Uh, and then she just kind of gets her hands on her and slaps on the reverse figure four or the mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, scorpion's tail, whatever. So, but yeah, she wins with uh, by submission. So Lufisto moves on to the finals. Yeah. Yep. I thought that was a really good match, actually. I thought those two worked well together. Yeah. No, I did too. I was, uh, yeah, Lufisto obviously is, you know, great at what she does, you know, and, no doubt about that. And uh, yeah, I was really impressed with this matchup. Thought a good job. Lana Austin again continued to impress me on this show. Definitely. Uh, Andy says that that means tonight's finals will have youth versus experience and says that should be good. But now it's time for the women's title match. And we get a video uh, that is, I guess, from a month ago or something or at the previous show where we see Killer Kelly, Tony Storm, Melanie Gray, and, and Amel. Well, this is the video yeah. just running down the champions that they've had so far. Yeah, kind of like New Japan a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. But the picture that they chose of Amel looks like she's 12 in this video. Um, right. It's like, I would imagine you take promo pictures of this woman all the time if she's your champion. <laughs> and you're putting, this is the photo you have? Okay, all right. Then we get an ad for another show, and then... Um, it's, it's the trophy guy who's looking at David Starr's Instagram. I was like, I don't know what's happening, but this is actually Karsten. What's Ben Karsten? What is it? Beck? Yes. Beck. Yes. So this, this is a guy that I guess was a a longtime wrestler with WXW had a, a long running battle with brain, uh, cancer and just recently passed away like last week. And it was mm-hmm. just kind of crazy that we chose to do this show and then boom, that news came out and then here he is 
in the middle of this show. But yeah, so this guy had been battling brain cancer and since then had been taking this role of kind of this uh, authority figure in the company. Yeah, someone that uh, saw nothing but nice things were said about him on Twitter yeah. um, by people like Jonathan Gresham and many others that had, had the chance to go over to WXW and said that he you know was nothing but as nice as can be. So certainly a sad loss for the wrestling world. Yes, but in um, this segment, the man, the, the man he mentions, David Starr, not a sad loss to the wrestling world, and no one, <laughs> and no one misses him. No, no, I wish that you know someone that was such a good, or uh, not a good, but such a pro union person would not be such a shithead. But uh, yeah, see, so yeah. So he's looking at the Instagram thing. In walks our champion Amel. She's upset about her next title defense, and the guy says, "Your next defense is tonight. Actually, it's against Faye Jackson." And Faye Jackson walks in. And we then cut to the taped in another arena location. I was like, I don't know what's happening right now, but it's just highlights. They're filling us in on what has happened that's led well, this, to this match. Yeah, so they so then they had that match. Like yes. Faye Jackson, we're told, won a fatal four-way. Um, so she got this title match. ML is dismissive and walked away. And then we get footage of ML cheating by choking Faye Jackson with a weight training belt um, to yeah. pick up the victory. So, ah, damn. That didn't work. She still won. So now it looks like we literally filmed this in the same spot. Oh, and ten seconds after they filmed the earlier yeah. version, because they didn't even like change their shirts or anything. Their hair all looks right. exactly the same. <laughs> so, yeah. So now Faye comes in and she asks, you know, oh, that's how you win around here, and she's, you know, very upset about things. And Amal argues with her in German. So it's here's hard. Yeah. Here's a little bit of this. It's it's I, I cut out a lot of the silences because this is all very stilted. Yeah. Did you see what happened out there? <laughs> Look, she ain't right. I deserve another match at Fin Fat Towns. Girls like her can't represent the big debut. Look at her, Hassan. Is she more attractive than me? That has nothing to do with this, right? I saw what you did out there, and she's actually right. I have to give her another chance for your title, and that's going to happen at Femme Fatales. I'm... What do you mean? She has her chance. I represent the real women out there. I will represent WXW right. So I will see you at Femme Fatales, boo-boo. <laughs> Why? Does everybody yeah. on this show talk like this? I mean, I it mean, might be just because if, when you know that the per people listening are you know, doing the second language thing, maybe it's easier if they're pausing more often, but I, or, or they're just not comfortable at all, and that probably is more likely. It just, maybe that, because my God, dude, when she's like, is she more attractive than me? <laughs> yeah. Like, are we robots? What the hell is going on with this stuff, man? Like, also, that's just like, is that a bad translation there too? Because that just seems like a really silly reason well, to bring up for like. That's why when you said that Amel talked in German, I was like, she didn't speak. She speaks in English the whole time. <laughs> uh, I thought she said something in German. <laughs> oh, but and when she does speak another language, I believe it'll, it'll eventually be French as well. But um, yeah. Oh yeah, that makes so, sense. The guy, Carson, looks pained as the champion wants to talk more after Faye leaves. She says, we have to talk. And then... Well, I also loved that. I love... No, you cheated, so you have to defend your title against her tonight. 
What do you mean? <laughs> yes. Uh, what about that sentence? Didn't you understand? Uh, like, I, I think that it's just, oh, it's like a bad table read of like a script that's poorly written. Yeah. I think they probably should have done this a few more times, but yes, yes, they, they got it and they moved on. So <laughs> it's the, we got it. First take. <laughs> Boom. Get out of here. Good day. Great job, guys. Great job. Oh, match number seven. Now it's for the WXW women's championship. It's your champion, Amel. She is defending against your challenger, Faye Jackson. Amel is labeled as the French Hope, as it's written on the back of her jacket. Kind of a good nickname. A lot of the fans are flipping her off on the way to the ring, but there is a few French fans that have a French flag and that have roses for her. Well, but she also, like, as things go on by the end of it all, she's a perfect example of, like, this is why I think someone can reach a level of stardom where they have to move on. Because... She is super heel. Yeah. But because indie crowds think that it's their job to fall in love with the people that they get to see on a regular basis, <laughs> instead of just respecting the character that they're portraying, yeah. she gets the the ironic cheers. And that the, might you know, be the case, they, yeah. They love, they love that she's mean to them. Like, it's just, it gets to the point where it's like, you can't even be a fucking heel anymore in, like, in some of these independent promotions. And she tries. Like, yeah. I appreciate her, like, Really trying to have none of it, though, mm-hmm. for the most part. So. No, I do, too. And, yeah, I appreciate that. I didn't realize that uh, Faye Jackson's from Toledo, Ohio, until they announced that. Yeah. I was like, oh, Jesus, okay. Yeah, she's a she's a local girl. Yeah, the plus-size Pam Greer, as it says in her Twitter uh, profile. Uh, yeah, Faye's a Ring of Honor dojo oh, okay. person, actually. So nice. She doesn't have anything nice to say about anything that happened after she got done in the dojo <laughs> in the company. But, uh, no, yeah, she's a... Hell of a talent. Um, you may have seen her pop up even in the crowd at some AEW shows that mm-hmm. st- sparked some thoughts that maybe that would be a landing spot for her in the near future. But yeah, no, it's hard to say. She's uh, at this point, you know, one of the top stars on the independent circuit. So definitely a name that I've seen, you know, mentioned for a while now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, from Paris, France, the French Hope, Amel, and then the first director of WXW, Karsten Beck. And, uh, and so now the match begins. And Jackson grabs a double leg takedown. She begins ground and pounding right away, but Amel's able to roll out of the ring and ask for a timeout. And uh, Faye's using her balance advantage with some shoulder blocks on Amel, a big scoop slam. Faye hits a running hip attack in the corner, but Amel leaves the ring again to escape and uh, get some time away. Yeah, so Amel, you know, playing the swarmy heel here, staying at away from Faye is her best strategy at this point. Uh, Faye would follow her. They fight outside the ring. Faye sits uh, Amel down and gave her a lap dance in an empty chair. They would then kind of stumble fight towards the uh, actual area where there were fans. And uh, Amel would then sit in the lap of an elderly gentleman and Faye would grind on both of them. So before <laughs> yeah. eventually Amel gets upset and would send her into the steel ring post. And the French fans don't like her at all. Be- because French fans can't twerk. <laughs> I don't know. They but, probably can. But all of the other friends are... Oh, yeah. Tight. Oh, lucky that lucky dude on the first row. We, we've got to switch our commentating position. <laughs> so, there you go. That was them... Now, now I will, I will the say, twerking. in the example of a woman who one of her part of her gimmick is she twerks on someone... The commentary team to then make a comment about, <laughs> oh, how I wish our... Da- that is where you can use that kind of humor. 
and it's warranted. Okay, so there you go. So Amel pushes her off into the ring post and rolls Jackson back in the ring. Uh, shotgun drop kick in the corner, and then a running boot by Amel, and then a two count kick out for Jackson. We get a left and right hand ground and pound on Jackson from Amel, and then she grabs on the chin lock as she takes control, and then a figure four headlock. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, no, uh, really solid stuff here. Um, I was really impressed with Amel, and uh, honestly, as someone that I expect to see a lot more of in the near future. So mm-hmm. she was certainly a star, you know, you know, shining above just about everybody else on the show. Um, yeah. Amel with a snapmare, and then the spinal tap kick for a two. The exchange slaps to the face. Um, Amel gets a boot up in the corner, followed by a running knee to the face this time of Faye Jackson, covers for a two count. And then, like you said, the figure four headlock. Amal flips over and drives the face of Faye to the mat. So, you know, while she still has the head locked up, she rolls over and just starts driving the face of Faye into the mat. Charlotte Flair does that as well. Mm-hmm. That's where you might have seen that before. Um, Amal then with a series of forearms. Faye, though, catches her with a back elbow out of the corner. A running splash from Faye, followed by another running hip attack. Has the champion on the ropes. Amal avoids Faye in the corner and delivers a German suplex, which is pretty impressive. Although I guess here it's just a suplex, right? Or maybe we should just call this. Is it they just all a call them Germans. They- I know, which is so funny to me. I was like, hang on a second. You guys call these German suplexes? Well, as yeah, well? It's, okay. it's like French fries in France. They're still French fries. They're not. <laughs> They're like, we don't know why you called them French fries, yeah. stupid Americans. But if you did, we'll follow along. <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah. Jackson's able to fight back, however, with a forearm. She lifts up and drops Amel, then hits the Vader bomb in the corner. She covers, but Amel's able to kick out. Amel then hits the mic check. Is that what that is? That the old mic check from Mr. Yeah. Miz? Yeah, well, Mr. Kennedy. Kennedy, it that's check. right. Kennedy was Miz the mic calls check. the skull crushing finale. That's right. Yes, uh, but she pins Faye Jackson one two three your winner and still WXW Women's what? Champion Amel. Well, yeah, because well, just before that, the Faye missed the running cannonball in the corner on the exposed turnbuckle as well. So ah, I missed and, the and then, exposure of the turnbuckle. You missed the exposure of the turnbuckle, and then when she started screaming like a, a, I think she was in a horror film. It was like she stands up after she did it, and she just starts going ah, ah! like just screams like three or four times, like she's yeah. literally dying. I, I was like, oh my why. god! She, I just thought she was selling that that corner. I guess. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, but Amel gets the win and retains the championship. Yeah, the announcers say no one can deny that she is unstoppable as the champion. All right. And then we get roses tossed into the ring from the as, fans. Uh, she's from the fans, and she begins stomping on them and throwing them back out <laughs> into the crowd. So I appreciated that. Yeah, I like that a lot. And that's when they announce that coming up on the 19th anniversary show, it's going to be Mikeo Satamura coming back to wrestle for the title and challenging Amel. So I guess the winner of this tournament has to wait even longer, or just <laughs> waits till tomorrow, I guess, instead. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just because it's for a big show you're booking somebody. But it is funny, like, when you're having a tournament where someone's trying to earn the opportunity yeah. to fight the champion. You're like, oh, hey, and this chick? Yeah, yeah, she's going to get a title shot at the next big show we're having. So, <laughs> yeah, no, she didn't have to win a tournament. I mean, she's obviously a legend, but so it makes sense. But, yeah, it's just funny that you would do that while you're right before, in fact, you're about to have a match to determine a number, number one contender. Yep, that's what it is. Match number eight. Match number eight. The finals in our WXW Femme Fatales tournament in 2019. 
It's Layla Hirsch taking on Lufisto. Yes. So the third time they're coming out here. Layla's out first. Andy wishes for the Lord to let her win this. And then out second, as has been tradition tonight, Lufisto, Rico's favorite female athlete in the world today, we're told. I mean, all right. I guess that's, I've, you know, that's At least one of the better things. They've so. managed to work their way to a point where both of them are cheering for opposite people in this match. <laughs> I mean, yeah. give him credit for that, at least. Well, even though it's like <laughs> odd that the heel color commentator guy is all about Layla Hirsch, who, from my perspective, is nothing heelish about her. So it's yeah. just weird to have him That's true. You know, so supportive. But anyway, who cares? Um, yeah, pretty much no nonsense for both of these ladies. They just enter. Um, no ring gear at this point, as this is the third match for both of them. Um, and the action would go would start hot. Layla, much like uh, the match before when, with, uh, actually in all three matches, including Lufisto, the opponent tried to get an early advantage as soon as the bell rang, uh, roll-ups in the first two matches. This match, Layla would go for the arm bar as soon as the bell rang. Yeah. Uh, but the attempt would be for not, as Lufisto manages the rope break. Yeah, she gets to the rope. I love that. I like that, though, about the show, that there was all, like, Lufisto is put over well as, like, a known badass like mm-hmm. you are probably not going to you know win conventionally with her so <laughs> everybody kind of tries different ways to you know get around that definitely yeah I, I do like that through line for sure uh layla then gets a rope break after uh lufisto had fired back with a move of her own they slap back and forth uh both of them get punches on the ground then hirsch with a choking boot in the corner on lufisto Hirsch then puts Lufisto in the ropes and hits the knees to the back, and the ref talks to Layla about using the ring ropes as a weapon, and he's not happy about that. I was like, we have not had any issue this entire night, and suddenly this is something that you have to like pull her aside and give her a tongue lashing? This was a weird thing, because the ref does that, and then the commentator's like, yeah, oh yeah, no, you, <laughs> got, you can't use that. It's like, excuse me, so, like, so it's illegal for Rey Mysterio to put an opponent in position for the 619 like yes that by this definition is using the ring ropes as a weapon i guess okay that was weird odd never heard that anyone ever bring that up so uh layla then stretches lufisto uh, pulling her arms back with her foot on the small of lufisto's back and then she would hit the curb stop lifting her up and slamming her face first on the mat uh hirsch then ties lufisto up in the ropes and delivers a short arm clothesline. I really liked that move. Dude, that was awesome. In- innovative stuff there, holding onto the arm and spinning out and hitting the sh- clothesline. Uh, Layla then, from the apron, she just, on her own accord, went out to the apron and then kicks Lufisto. Uh, Lufisto counters and hits a running knee to the face. And I mean, it was brutal. <laughs> Dude, it Layla was great. Just, Layla just collapses on the apron. <laughs> yeah, and no, then, that, was awesome. that wasn't enough. We get the running face eraser kick to the side of the face in the corner from Lufisto, but that also only gets a two. So Yeah, and the announcers tell us how she's the most violent woman on the planet. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, running boot in the corner. I like that I like that your German impersonation is Dracula, by the it way. Starts I, out, it starts out Dracula for sure every I time. Just, I just want you to start counting. Is what I <laughs> the problem is I should have called my brother-in-law because I have a German ah. accent that I can do if I, if I hear his voice for a little bit. But it's, it's gone from my head right now, and I can't get it. I keep going it's to true. Dracula. Um, yeah. right. Another leg submission, but a rope break for Layla. Again, Lufisto continuing to attack the leg. 
but Layla attacks with kicks from her good leg, and Lefista just continues back right back at it, stomps and, and kicks and such. Uh, she puts her on the ropes and charges, but Layla dodges, which sends Lufisto to the floor. Then Layla jumps onto Lufisto. They fall onto the fans. Layla yeah. runs back into the ring, does another jump. This time they fall near the fans again, and this time one of the security guys is finally like, hey, dudes, get the fuck out of the first row yeah. and let these girls <laughs> jump. <laughs> it was like, uh, you know, not to get too far off the track here, but you know, I was at that show that had the death match main event, mm. and like the crowd, the guy to get on the, over the PA be like, hey, if the action starts coming your way, move. Because people were just like <laughs> sitting there as men bleeding all over oh, themselves God. for like stumbling into the crowd. It's uh, you know. Anyway, yeah, you shouldn't really have to be told that, folks. Um, so yeah, the leg is just you know a constant attack here. Layla fires up like you had mentioned with the suicide dives to the floor. Um, Fisto, um, Lufisto would block a third dive attempt though mm-hmm. and uh, make her pay. Layla, though, is still fighting back with kicks from the apron. Uh, Lufisto, though, powerbombs Layla in the first row of chairs, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. Like, she started... I will say, though, unfortunately, like, they started to do it, and then I don't know what happened. And then yeah. she just, like, does well, it again. Yeah, they start... To, Layla is somewhat out of position, I think, trying ah, to get okay. into the yeah. right spot. And then it's even kind of awkward once she does get into position... Like, it's like yeah. they're struggling to hold her up until they get her over there. But yeah, oh, she, no, she's definitely still a little bit green. But man, like, she's holding her own for the most part with this match. And this is a good one. Like, mm-hmm. they're really giving it to each other here. Uh, yeah. Lufisto, Lufisto then sits on someone's lap and takes a break as she looks at her, her watch. Uh, the referee says, uh, the, the announcers are going, there should be a count out. Why is there no count out? I mean, that's. Yeah, the count out situ- has ne- the count out situation in this company has never been established on this evening yeah. anyway because no. there's people right up against the ring, so there hasn't really been a whole lot out there. So I'm not even sure what the rules are. The referee's just uh, hanging Luf- out next to them, asking them to get back in the ring. <laughs> well, we're just glad one showed up for this match. Uh, Lufisto rolls Layla Hirsch into the ring and then covers her for a two. Um, we then begin exchanging forearm shots. Uh, the commentary team talks about Lufisto's history in CZW. And her bloody battles with cheerleader Melissa and Necro Butcher. Goodness, One of the this. few things of the night that they at least have like actual good information and context on someone. So. Eh, but then they kind of fuck it up. Well, yeah. I'm so. I, 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 listen, the woman's mission is in a good place. If I want to come back, not, not this one, this one. With Necro Butcher? Sure that was also look at, look at him. Did you say Necro Butcher? I said a Necro Butcher. Necro. You said Butcher, yeah. I, I thought I heard you. And they go to a double down here. The referee is, I think they're both out. It's Butcher, my friend. It's Butcher. Don't don't Butcher the Butcher. <laughs> if you Butcher Butcher, only well, bad things can happen. No, you're right. I forgot. I, I, how did, I, what was I doing? Given It's funny because my next sentence is shut up commentators with an exclamation point. <laughs> that was. I was like, oh, some good, you know, some yeah. good background on Lufisto. That's It's all accurate and they're right. And she did have some awesome matches. It was involved in a cage of death and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Got thrown around by Zandig and all that. But oh. yeah, no, instead, let's then go into like a 30 second who's on first, what's on second routine yes. about how you mispronounce the Necro Butcher's name. Instead of just moving on or commentating on the great action in the ring. Yeah, because like you can hear the crowd in the background is really yeah. into what's happening. Like They're chopping match, the shit out of each other. 
Like, this match is in the fucking final stage. Like, this yeah. is... We're going home. Uh, and they're fucking talking about how to pronounce the Necro Butcher's name. Lufisto tries for her burning hammer, but Layla dodges it. She hits the Kinshasa on Lufisto. A German suplex, but Lufisto kicks out at two. We get an armbar from Hirsch, but Lufisto's able to get the rope break. And then a running forearm in the corner. But Lufisto counters the hardy kick style, the like pendulum drop kick in the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, she mm-hmm. ca- chal- or counters that and hits the Saito suplex by Layla. Fans are chanting for Layla. A triple jump moonsault is missed. Uh, as I say, that was again one of those ones like, <laughs> I'm not trying to mean. Yeah, and I was no, really you're not wrong. But you, she had trouble climbing the ropes naturally and yeah. standing up there and getting her balance and doing a moonsault. So in this match, her third match, these two have beaten the hell out of each other. They are probably both exhausted. She's like, I got it. Triple jump moonsault. <laughs> I, this is going to go perfect. It's like, what are you doing, Layla? Oh. Also, I'm not trying to tell you how to do your job. I think we can eliminate the moonsault from this. Like, for now. Yeah. At least for now. Like, I like the technician yep. MMA influence side of things. Well, I don't know why you're doing moonsaults. I think that maybe she's just getting a little bit exhausted by the end of this one because when oh, she yeah. does put the arm bar on, it's loose as fuck. Lufisto's mm-hmm. like, squir- like squirming all around. She counters out, pulling the hair of Layla, but Layla is able to get the ropes after the whatever submission that Lufisto grabbed. She just had her, her in like a fish hook. She was just like <laughs> stretching her. Yeah, that's so. right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Lufisto then with a German suplex, followed by a package bomb. I was like, oh, package power driver. And then she just like turned him sideways. So I don't really know what the hell to call that. But yeah, it was, still I was like a big slam. It was nice. Right. 2.9 yeah, after. In, yeah, but only a two count. Layla comes back with a big clothesline, covers Lufisto, only gets a two. Layla doubles down on it's fucking mall rats. The kid is on the well, escalator again. Yeah. Folks. Like, oh, goodness. Good. Ahead. She goes up and. This, she was always going to miss this moonsault, but there's mm-hmm. just something worse about also messing up the moonsault before you miss the moonsault that yeah. just really makes it that much worse. Uh, yeah, because none of the moonsaults have gone well so far. Um, no. So no. When, it's not yeah, like Naito pulling the out the like corkscrew and missing it and then being like, that idiot, like he yeah. knows he can't do that, you know, like... <laughs> And then he learns, and he doesn't do it again for like four uh, years. You and know? just just before they got to that missed moonsault, the f- crowd was really into it. They're chanting for Layla, and you know how they're chanting for Layla? In the exact way that all the European shows chant for everyone. Doot, 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 Layla. How do we get back to that? We're in Germany. I mean, listen, we what over here? So I guess yeah, we don't have a whole true. lot of room to true. criticize the fans. But no, you're right. It is, I don't know why that's a thing. I think it's a soccer thing. It it's must probably be, what? Yeah. Football. Sorry. Football. See, <laughs> oh, no, so, yeah, the Miss Salt. we get uh, Lufisto stands up, grabs her, and hits a burning hammer on her, and then pins her one, two, three. And your winner of the Femmes Fatale 2019 is Lufisto. Yeah. Uh, really loved this match. Something I loved about all the matches to some degree was the finishes were all concise and like things that were meant to be book strong went over strong. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of, like you said, kicking and screaming and rope breaks when people got put in that arm bar by Layla Hirsch. Yeah. You know, when Lefisto, Lefisto does a, one of her big signature moves, that's the end of the match. There's not three of these to mm-hmm. win it. You know, it was just, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. There was just something. Uh, good and simple about you know kind of the finishes in all these matches. I can agree with that for sure, definitely. Um, so after the match, the announcers are just trying to sell how amazing the show was. 
the the trophy is handed to Lufisto, and just as she grabs it, the lid goes flying off. I think that's. I mean, I think that was like supposed to happen. Oh, you think least, so? Well, not like it's supposed to fall off, but I don't think like. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that they knew it could fall off. Yeah, because you know I mean? every time that Carson's holding it, he's always got his hand yes. on top of it. Um, right. See, I do think that they know that it, it falls it off. It wasn't like the classic, what is that, a bowling trophy or something? That the oh, classic, it just the guy falls like, apart. Gets the trophy and he simply like, holds it up on ESPN, like half of it falls <laughs> off or whatever. So. so yeah, but Lufisto makes the best of it, grabs the lid, puts it on top of her head, holds the trophy high. It's a funny moment. Yeah. Um, fans are... Pounding on the mat as they chant for both Layla and Lufisto. Layla leaves. Um, the two competitors hug and the fans cheer, you know, with the respect ending. Um, the announcers say Lufisto should be worthy challenger for Amel. And the fans begin chanting, you deserve it. Lufisto grabs the rent or the microphone and says, does that mean you people don't want me to quit anymore? And they're like, they lose their minds. She want, they want her to come back to Germany. Uh, she says she hurt her near, knee last year. And at that point, she was done with wrestling. But since then, she's gotten a lot of love, and this last tour has been a great time. She says Germany's her favorite place to wrestle, and she says maybe she'll be like Kiss and extend her goodbye tour for 20 years. And that's when the fans begin chanting yes, and she says, we actually say we where I'm from. And so they start chanting we, and that's where this picks up. I'm so, I, 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 listen, the woman's With that being in a good said, place. if I want to come back off into Germany, there is something I need. Around my waist. That's what I'm talking about, Andy. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not done. I might turn 40 in February, but I'm just starting. And it starts tomorrow as I'm officially challenging a bell for the WXW oh, yeah. Women's oh, yeah. Championship. That's what we all want to see. That's what we all came here to see. I mean, I guess we're coming tomorrow. But <laughs> yeah, that's cool. There's also something about these commentators. Like, every time they start a sentence, there's something giggly about their voices. Like, it always sounds like they're like a kid that's like coming up with like some evil plot when they start to say something. Like, there's always <laughs> this like giggling tone to their voices. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, the, the, anyway. at this point, we get a shot of the, the, cam- the off camera fans, and I'm like, Jesus, there's like two times as many people here that I didn't even realize it. Um, <laughs> It's such a more impressive-looking shot it from is. the other direction. The fans chant WXW, and she raises the trophy once more. The announcers say, what a great show. Thanks for watching, and the credits roll. And, uh, yeah, overall, I thought a super easy watch. Like, if you're just looking to jump into some random indie wrestling to see you know, some random wrestlers and kind of get an idea of what they've got, this is a great hour and a half that really kind of gives you a quick rundown of a bunch of different characters. Absolutely, yeah. I know this show is, uh, like you mentioned, is very easy to watch. The matches are all uh, uh, pretty concise. Things make sense. Nothing really drags. Uh, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed this show quite a bit. The announcers may get on your nerves, but uh, yeah. Well, yeah, the announcers are terrible. But I mean, <laughs> that's probably something you're going to run into with a lot of these independent shows you watch. I'm curious on on what some of the other ones are like. Um, but yeah, so that is. It's just the thing. The thing I'll just I'll say one thing about like independent wrestling commentary. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that I run into the most that bothers me about a lot of it is people that take it like a joke. Like it's always it's always yeah. treated as like this fun bunch kind of atmosphere and we're all just having a good time. We're coming It's like act like professionals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you want your show to feel like it's professionally done, having commentators that are, you know, good at what they do and don't yeah. just feel like they're a couple of people's friends 
that are having a, a laugh while they watch a wrestling match. Like I'm yeah. not here for Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah, I'm you not. Know, I'm like, not watching Juggalo Championship Wrestling. Like exactly. Yeah. So it just drives me crazy. But yeah, otherwise, uh, the show's a lot of fun, minus the commentary. <laughs> so while Dave Meltzer did not seemingly review the show, we do have some star ratings to compare to Tony. As I found that the blog at backbodydrop.com reviewed this show when it took, came out, and uh, they gave their star rating. So I thought we could compare yours with theirs. Does that work? I'll allow it. Match number one, Martina versus Wesna. What'd you give this one? Uh, I really enjoyed Vesna. the dynamic here. The, you know, the story being told, the veteran Wesna, the strength advantage. You know, Mar- Martina, I'm a big fan of the Session Moth. I gave this match two and a half stars. Two and a half seems fair. Uh, this back body drop writer gave it three stars. They yeah, thought it I could have given it three. That's fine. Hirsch versus Jane. What'd you give that one? Um, a solid matchup here. Um, Sammy, unlike some of the others later in the show, can't quite pull out of Layla what others do. Um, but I still think she was she really impressed me, and I gave this match two stars. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, this person gave it two point seven five stars. So just a little bit less okay. in that first match. Match three, Austin versus Allison. I know it's your favorite. Yeah, well, there's just too much shenanigans here from the baby Allison character. And again, without the profiles like we get for Layla Hirsch, it's hard to yeah. wrap your mind around the why with some of this. So I gave this match one and a half stars. Okay. Uh, the back body drop thought it was just as good as the opener. Three stars for this one. Lufisto versus Vicious Vivian. Uh, it got a dud because it wasn't a match. It was. <laughs> That's what this one has. N.A. short and sweet, he wrote. Um, yeah. Hirsch versus Martina. What'd you give that one? Second match or second round. Um, another pretty solid outing here. Uh, got a little sloppy towards the end, um, but I still enjoyed it. I gave it two stars. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And so is back body drop. Two stars exactly on the money. Ding, ding, ding. We got a match. Match six, Lufisto versus Austin. Um, again, this some of these matches, the rating suffered from the uh, length of the match. As much as I appreciated that, it, you know, there just mm-hmm. wasn't a lot, you know, could necessarily go on. These two were on their way to something really good, I feel like, with maybe 10 more minutes. But I oh, gave yeah. it uh, three stars. That's fair. I'd probably be where you're at. Uh, this guy gave it 2.75. So just okay, under right. that. Match seven, Amel versus Faye Jackson. I really liked this match. Um, both of these women should be making lots of money and on television somewhere. I, yeah. I think they both, I already was well aware of Faye and all, what she's capable of. And Amel, I became a, I quickly became a fan of hers after watching this. I gave this match three stars. Yeah. I thought Amel during this match, I kept thinking like, she seems perfect for the NXT spot. Like, why not have oh, a French? Yeah. Why do you not have a French wrestler like I, her and Ever Rise next Wednesday? I book <laughs> that shit, man. Like, uh, yeah, no, I yeah, no, I she's she's great. How many stars? <laughs> Other did you than say? Ma- three stars on that one. Sorry, they they also gave it three. But go ahead. What were you saying there? No, no, I was just gonna say like unless she's just got it good where she's at because sometimes you mm-hmm. can get yourself in a position That's where true. it's. You know, it's hard to find a deal that you know makes it worth your while to kind of get out of your comfort zone. So, uh, but no, she's good enough to go anywhere, in my opinion. Match eight, our final match: Lufisto versus Layla Hirsch. What'd you give it? Uh, great match. 
I liked this a lot, especially after three, you know, this being the third match for both these ladies. Um, I was impressed with their endurance, mm-hmm. and uh, it was good to see a match get time, and I gave it four stars. Hey, this one, I thought, same as you, I thought was good. Uh, probably my match of the night. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. And the uh, I would be right there with you, four stars, maybe 4.25, like Back Body Drop gave it, 4.25 ah. for that person, so... Very similar in our review. Absolutely. The users of cagematch.net have this show currently rated at a 6.63. That could go up if anyone voted, though, because there's only seven votes. So while the lowest vote is a six, uh, it's weighted lower. So it's not in like the top 10 of all time. Um, Yeah. But yeah, Mizzle Assault Ant wrote in uh, 2019, gave it an eight out of 10, said, fun show. Feels like these women should get a bit more time to work, but they still delivered pretty well up and down the card. Lana Austin was... A very nice discovery, and I was already getting familiar with the great talents like Layla Hirsch, Lufisto, and Sammy Jane. The finale was great, and the women's title match was quite good, too. Lots of good stuff here. Yeah. No, I uh, couldn't agree more. And I think that was something that we both had kind of mentioned, is that um, if this show was three hours long, I think, you know, it. the ladies would, it, it would have been more, you know, it would have been harder to probably do the three matches. But yeah. yeah, with more time, I think all these matches could have been rated even higher. Like I, a lot of it, I felt like was just a circumstance of the time. Definitely. And then Lloyd, uh, Lloyd Six wrote in 2019. He gave it an eight out of ten. Said the last hour of this event is so good, I almost forgot the first preliminary round matches. With the last two matches, you can see the best women's matches at the WXW in 2019. The performance of Layla and Lufisto in the Mainer is so strong, it could definitely be a match of the year candidate. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there absolutely. It was uh, damn good stuff. So. so, yeah, so those are our thoughts as well as some others' thoughts on WXW Femme Fatales 2019. But, Tony, we have to move on. We've got more shows to watch, more reviews to record. Where are we headed next week? Well, DP... Uh, the season is upon us. It's the haunting season. Oh, yeah. Uh, we started the month of October off with the Halloween Havoc review. We're going to get one more in before the holiday comes. And that is going to be none other than Halloween Havoc 1998. Yes. Oh, boy. That's right, folks. It's time that we dip our toes into the pool that has been dipped in by so many others <laughs> it is time for the opinion of the golden age of grappling podcast when it comes to the hollywood hogan warrior match that i do have a lot of good personal context from this my best friend had a mural painted by his artist grandfather of the own one warrior nation logo Seriously. giant on his bedroom wall that's how much my friend zach loved the warrior he he was so excited about this. This was, <laughs> you know, when you're a kid, you don't necessarily notice all the bullshit. You're just yeah. so happy to see it. Um, and then we didn't get to watch the main event. So more on that next week. <laughs> a story some of you may know something about. And if you're, uh, you know, a regular listener, if you've been listening for a while, you know that some of the Halloween Havocs, at least Halloween Havoc 99, when we reviewed that one, uh, we got a little bit uh, negative on that one. I know that's well, still listed as one of my least favorite shows that we've watched, but one of my favorite episodes that we've recorded if you want to take listen to that it's episode 99 by the way but yeah but outside of the match that you all probably think about when you hear about this show there's also some potential uh good stuff we've got a television title match with chris jericho defending against raven uh we've got a wrath and ming match where i'm sure they'll just beat the hell out of each other oh yeah disco inferno Juventud guerrero alex wright and fit finley perry saturn and Lodi. 
Yes, that's right, folks. Oh. They booked their pay-per-views like an episode of Thunder for some reason back then. Oh, yeah. Uh, what well, was 1998? They could do no wrong. They were still... But, but hey, Bret Hart and Sting and Goldberg and DDP. Those are both good matches. I know. I remember that. Should be a fun time. I'm looking forward to it, Tony. But in the meantime, if folks want to keep up, they can do so in two places, either Facebook or Twitter. For Facebook, just search for the name of the podcast. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at GrappleCast. If you'd like to follow me personally on Twitter, I'm at Deadpool1205. You can follow me, Tony G, at BeyondSanity19. And we'll catch you next week for Halloween Havoc 1998. All right, so you want to talk some current wrestling, man? Yes. Uh, let me just well, gather my thoughts your, a little bit. I didn't think to ask what the dish was, but probably should. I'll probably just finish up the draft since we already talked about okay what they did on what they did on SmackDown and that makes now, sense. What the other half did? Damn it! Because it was all. I'm gonna what? have to look up a a thing on Raw. I I meant so I was watching this week in WWE, so that way I would be all caught up on the specific draft stuff. Right. And that was like at the exact same time that my internet went out last night and I just gave up frustratedly and went to sleep. And I just forgot that I never actually watched it. I, I started it and then it like it got 30 <laughs> seconds in. So I'm going to look up what the raw draft picks are, but go ahead. We can talk All about right. everything else. Okay. All right. So uh, off the top here, I'll just talk about some, I think, good news. We'll discuss okay. you know, the other side of that of this in a moment. But Ben Carter has officially signed with the WWE if you remember, he's the young man that had the uh, outstanding match with Scorpio Sky. Oh, yeah. A few weeks ago on AEW, and he'd been on Dark, I think, a couple times before that. Uh, great young high flyer, you know, amazing athlete, looks like. And, uh, you know, this should be nothing but good news, right? Well, no, because that decision by Mr. Carter led to crazy people out oh. there to tell him that he's dead to them now and that... <laughs> You know, they'll never get to see him wrestle again. And, you know, why would you do this? And, you know, how could you sign with them? Why would you not hold out longer so that way, you know, you could not get paid even longer now? Right. I mean, the tribalism with this, like, wrestling fandom, it's just ridiculous. It's so short-sighted for AEW fans anyways to think that way because, honestly... Like, it's, you're not going to get much bad happening from going to NXT and just learning more. Like, right. if anything else, you know, even if, you know, if, as long as you don't, like, if you're not dumb and don't, like, sign, like, a 10-year contract, you well, know. I'm sure he didn't. <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're probably not signing just everyone to 10-year contracts. And so, yeah. you know, you're going to have a chance to reevaluate where you're at at some point in the WWE. Yeah. You don't have to stay there. It's not like you're stuck there. It's not hell that you're going to. And right. you learn a whole lot while you're there. You get trained tremendously well in the basics. They're going to yeah. teach you how to do your entrance better than just about anyone on the mm-hmm. indies. They're going to teach you all that shit that you don't learn on the indies about like hard cams and stuff. Yeah, right. you're going to have to deal with some awkward promos every once in a while. But like you said, there's nothing but positives that can come from going there. Like Juice Robinson would not be Juice Robinson in New Japan if he wouldn't have been in NXT at some point. Right, Exactly. Absolutely, and don't be surprised if old Juice didn't go back one day, actually. But, um, yeah, I think this is great, and, you know, if, if people just, you know, need to chill, it's okay. Yeah, and yeah he's going to be on 205 guys. Live. Everyone's like, have fun on 205 Yeah, he will. And he's going to make a lot of money, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, and it's, he's going to be working in a environment that's consistent. He's, you know, in 
nice rings, building. I mean, I guess yeah. we're not traveling at this at point. At some point, but... they'll probably have a storyline where he's involved with the main roster, but they'll mainly just make fun of his size. and <laughs> Probably. Yeah, hey, maybe, yeah. You know, but, hey, what happens whatever. to all those guys? He can always come back and do the indies uh, another well, day. Well, that's the thing. So. That's what I mean is that, like, you know, in two years, if he's not happy with what's going on in WWE, he can right. come back to AEW even better, and they've got that storyline of this is a guy that got his first exposure with us, he went yeah. on to do his own thing, and now he's coming back as this super-powered guy. Like, that is, it's just like an excursion, but you didn't pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, your star will be brighter. Um, so, yeah. We talked about the draft, you know, the second round or the, you know, the second half of the draft that took place on Raw and all the fun and excitement that came from that. But otherwise, uh, Orton and Drew McIntyre's angle continues to grow more and more dull with every passing week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like they're both good wrestlers. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they they have fine enough matches. Yeah. But it's just one of those things where it's like if you were going to put it on Randy and just like run with his, you know, great 2020 that he's having with no fans in the building Mm -hmm. (laughs) then you should have done it by now because now if you do it i feel like you've waited too long to to do i don't know it's just couldn't care less and they did the whole like they've done this on raw and i don't know who keeps thinking this is a good idea where we're supposed to be like led to believe that the two men are fighting backstage for like the duration of the show (sighs) yeah these two will do that thing where they break out into a brawl and then it just like throughout the night, we're like, oh, there's Drew and Randy, and now they're fighting over there. You know, it's like, so these two guys just have been punching and kicking each other around the building for the better part of three yeah. hours. Only one time a year, you know, WrestleMania, can we actually take the time to film these guys doing this for the entirety of the show and put it as as a match? But, oh, God. The rest of the time, we'll just ignore it. Let them, let them fight. Yeah. Um, we had a no DQ potential blow off match because surely one of these guys will get drafted to a show. Kevin Owens beat Alistair Black uh, after powerbombing him through a table. No, because they kept... There was something that they oddly almost did consistently throughout the draft on both shows. Yeah. People in storylines went with one another to their new shows. Yeah, nothing got ended because of the draft. So Kevin Owens and Alistair Black (laughs) both ended up going to SmackDown, as we've discussed. So (sighs) it it defeats the purpose of the goddamn thing. Uh And not only that... But they like with the Mysterio family, they went ahead and jump started that back up again. It's oh. just running like it never stopped. Oh God. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. It's ridiculous. At least Daniel Bryan's kind of involved. Um Miss T V with Mandy and Dana Brooke was just a vehicle to have Lars Sullivan come out and Yeah. Nobody likes that. It seems like except for Papa H and because <laughs> Papa H yeah. likes Lars Sullivan, even though he has dirty thoughts about his wife. He's going to, this isn't going to, I guess it's not going to stop. So I, I don't think that it's only Papa H. Vince has to see something in this guy to uh, brought him back right, after yeah. all of this. But it seems like those are the only two that there is anybody that I hear, like, you know, really pushing right, And apparently this guy. he's, a, he's a, like forgotten son's level of nobody wants anything to do with him backstage <laughs> either. Oh, goodness. You know, like he's just kind of on an island. So Yeah. How long that can take place? Uh, DP, how do you feel oh, about... Go ahead. Oh, okay. No, no. What no, no, no. no. I'm, I'm so totally down to hear what you're saying. Okay. Uh, what, how, how do you feel about the trading of tag team championships? The simple exchange of belts between two teams. I mean, no, when, you're, when you're both switching ti- like shows, 
Yeah, I know. How, was it already determined that they were both switching their shows at that point? No, they, it's something they did stupid. Like, I don't know. Like, why did you even do that? I mean, I guess it's fine. Whatever. It shakes <laughs> things up a little bit. But it was just, it's kind of obnoxious that they did it. It almost seemed like they just did it for the sake of having them trade the belts. Because now there's also people, and there's like kind of a good point about that. Like, the Street Profits were on a historical run as Raw Tag Team Champions. Mm-hmm. As far as like days as oh, champions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that just ends that run. Now that's just, that's just over. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, like, that's. Here's the thing. It's been made abundantly clear that the WWE does not give a shit about stats or numbers well, at all unless until, they do. until it right. is very specifically part of their right. storyline. Yeah. Like a couple and years ago when they just... They could just make they, that number whatever they want it to be, even if it right. isn't that way in real life. Like a couple years ago when they just rewrote like every major title like history run, it seemed like every, it seemed yes. like every month it was like another record was being broken. <laughs> um yeah, I guess it's fine. I think this would have been a perfect time to unify the tag team titles. Like, let's yeah. just be honest. Like, Vince hates it. So, like, I don't understand. It's like, he obviously, he's not, like, a huge fan of it. There's not a super deep tag team division. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler but, are, like, day one number one contenders for the tag titles. Yeah. I, I mean, think I think Vince hates, like, the idea, though, of people that are just... Like he doesn't he really does not seem to like the idea of floating champions. Like that idea yeah. of being able to go from show to show. Yeah. Yeah. Like the only time he likes people to break the the boundaries of the rules are whenever it's very convenient for whatever storyline he wants to put on, <laughs> not wild car. <laughs> not as an established thing, you know. But I think I, I think a just cuz the women's tag team titles it's better. That's how that works. Yeah. I like it you better know? there. Have the you know, men's tag titles just be floating between the show. Are you telling me the New Day or the Street Profits on both shows wouldn't be better for the? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. You, it's just you. You have two sets of belts, and you barely have enough tag teams for one set of belts. You barely have enough storylines for two <laughs> sets of belts for tag teams. Like, right. That that's the thing is like if you take one of them away, then you have all this room for activities. You could have like all right. these feuds that are just about other things that aren't about belts. Sounds like a great idea to me, but he hates him. So, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Seth Rollins made his last appearance on Raw. You know what a loss this is going to be. All of this really only led to a you know a triple threat match that was pretty good with uh, Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, and Seth Rollins. Oh yeah, does, uh, I did like when AJ good. interrupted like as Seth was leaving, and AJ came out, and you know. Because says, hey Jeff, I, did you think it was last call or something? You know, insulting him about that. And then like Seth kind of laughed, and AJ just totally like cut him down. He's like, you know, keep stepping because this was never Monday Night Rollins. And then like <laughs> Seth got offended. So uh, the triple threat match was pretty good. Jeff challenged them to a triple threat tag match. Why? To a chorus of question marks. Yeah, like, like who's Jeff gonna like, tag with? He he literally said it, and then like they went to commercial, and I was like, wait a second, so. Are we coming back and these guys are all going to have tag team partners? Like, no, Jeff Hardy just must have misspoke. Um, oh, the return okay. of Elias was, you know, ruined the match. Well, it didn't ruin it necessarily. It was good. Styles got the win after he attacked Jeff with a guitar shot. Um, we then had to deal with him doing a, uh, an interview backstage where he's still convinced that Jeff ran him over. Yes, folks. Remember that storyline from months ago before Elias got hurt when he got ran over in the no. parking lot? I had forgotten... And it's already been like documented that Seamus was like the asshole that like set the whole thing up. Yeah, that's yeah, I forgot about that. But I I had already forgotten 
about Elias. Like honestly, when they when I saw that he had come back, I was like, oh yeah, I was like that was a character yeah. that they had for a while. Like I I can't say that I don't wish they'd maybe just forgotten about Elias, <laughs> but whatever, he's back. Some people like him. Um, we'll see. <laughs> Uh, the the drama. I know you've been following along with the Lana and Natalia storyline. The of course, the struggling relationship they've had as Lana has been costing them some wins. And well, they lost to Dana and Mandy, and then Natty left her in the ring. That's only interesting because of what happens at the end of the show. Uh, Angel Garza beat Andrade in their tag team blow off match. I guess like that was yeah. that's how much they care. Like I saw some, <laughs> I saw some stuff from Meltzer where it's like Andrade was apparently a hey, complete. Man, dude. Heyman guy like that was yeah. all Heyman's creation and now Vince doesn't see it that's wild uh, but yeah I, I saw that report as well and it did seem like you know the last few weeks it was just like quickly Andrade was just like very like rapidly descending and they were just like well we're done with this storyline we're done with this and take this yeah. away yeah I mean I like Angel Garza so it seems like he may benefit from this situation but still kind of sucks uh new Maybe day Vince is their- just mad at Andrade for being married to to Ric Flair's daughter. He's like, I don't like that this is a this is a couple. <laughs> right. Oh, well, who knows about that? Yeah. Uh, New Day defended their handed over Raw tag team titles against Root and Ziggler, who were also on their way. Well, I guess it hadn't happened yet. Yeah. Anyway, nobody cared. Um, <laughs> Ricochet beat Cedric by DQ after doing the Eddie Guerrero chair thing. Yeah. And uh, due to a pre-match stipulation, the Hurt Business has to leave him alone now. That's pretty much how that was worded. <laughs> So, um, we had a women's battle royal to determine Oscar's opponent down the road. I'm not sure if they even like set the point, like the date exactly. Um, yeah, Lana got put through a table at one point, mm-hmm. and we did the thing where Natalia wins. Oh wait, Lana was never eliminated. Lana wins the battle royal. <sighs> Goodness, we'll face Oscar. Like okay. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, that's th- yeah. All right, cool. but we also cut immediately away from that to Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton fighting because they love to do that to women's matches and segments. Yeah, well, like, I as mean, it's ending, in- Randy Orton's entrance music starts and he like walks out before they leave the ring. Goodness, that kind of stuff. So yeah, um, and you know whatever with a raw, it was it was a draft raw, so it was kind of a lot of nothing, just some blow off matches and a lot of stuff. Some last. <sighs> Then there was SmackDown with those two. Um, AE Dub, AE Dub, FTR beat best friends. <sighs> it's like, I know it's not time for FTR <laughs> to lose, but it's like, damn it, man. Yeah. Like, best friends just kind of, they're that sacrificial land. They're like, they get a push and they get a lot of momentum and then they get a title match and then they lose. Mm-hmm. Like, I think this is already like the second time this has happened to them. Yeah. Yeah. This is their second. I think their second. Yeah. Kind of like, because Kenny and Pay and, Hangman, I think, yeah, did the similar thing too. No, but it was it was, yeah. Go ahead. I thought it was pretty good. It, I, I've seen like people complaining about FTR. I I like their matches. I don't understand. Oh, people complain about FTR because they won't denounce Jim Cornette on social media. Uh, okay. you know, like I did like. I, I, I think they're just too good at their gimmick. Is what actually bothers people about FTR. I did like though that it kind of one of the things that if you're looking closely, we might we may have gotten a little bit of a hint on uh, where the ideological divide was in the backstage when they were first when you know because when FTR first came in, there was talk of like actually adding tag ropes to all tag matches, and then it became clear uh, that it was only on their tag matches. And yeah. in this match, the best friends do not have a tag rope. 
but FTR have a tag rope. And I just thought it was hilarious that it was like in the same match, two teams are playing by different rules right now. See, what they should have done is best friends should have beat them, and then FTR could have Demanded gone and that. complained yeah. that their tag rope wasn't in place and the whole match was default, you know, didn't never happen. So anyway, Miro then attacked the best friends because they broke his video game machine. Yeah, the cheap arcade machine that they had set up like two weeks ago. Yeah, so that's that's what Miro does now. He's gets mad about his <laughs> video games. Hey, uh, here's the thing. I don't know if Miro is like a character for kids that is cool or if he is just Dynamic Dudes 2020, but there's there there's you know they're they're trying i can tell that they're trying right. and it's not for me i understand that like the twitch right. i'm not a twitch viewer i'm not a like i don't understand the culture of that but it seems like it's catching on with people that aren't you and i and people our age i like right. miro in physic like his physicality and like what he's well, been doing sure. that side and i've i've enjoyed his promos it's the yeah. Kip Sabian side of things that I'm just I'm still kind of getting on board with and, and deciding if I like or not. I don't like the arcade machine. Well, <laughs> Kip is hard to like. There's really nothing. Well, to like I mean, about like him. is a bad guy. Like like Miro right, seems right. like you know he's unstable. Like I, I kind of like this this you know being a simple thing that shouldn't inspire someone to be beaten up is right. the reason that he comes out and attacks. You know, I like that, but. True. I also uh, thought when they, they happened in the middle of the match that that was going to be how they got the best friends out of losing this match was just to have Miro wreck house in the match, but yeah, they just like waited until afterwards for him to show up. Oh, because I'm sure that's an FTR thing. Like they don't want any yeah. bullshit finishes in their matches. <laughs> Probably. Uh, Archer's just beating Moxley up backstage, which just kind of cracked me up a little bit. Like just mm -hmm. they have a match tonight, and he's just you know terrorizing him all around backstage. Um, it gets broken up. MJF butters up Jericho. This thing's almost like hit a little bit cringe for me. Really? Like where I, I just kind of want it. I just kind of need it to stop. Like now I, just, <laughs> I want the payoff. Like it's because it's just the same thing that now it's like, okay, yeah. And it's kind of contentious and ah, uh, and then they laugh it off and it, you know, like, okay. I mean, they've continued like it's gotten a little bit further, a little bit more contentious each time. And I thought MJF was, I didn't think he was good. Like I thought it, it hit a certain level where his the like only... his dripping sarcasm was so fucking like was too much and it was just coming across as like I, cartoony. I liked him for everything except for the the very split second of the like not being able to finish saying the word thing like where he was going back and forth with that for a second. Yes. Like yes. that was the only time where I was I was just like it kind of pulled me out of it for a second, but I got, you know, I know what they're trying to do with the idea and I was enjoying Jericho's reacting to all of it. Um, I, I really am still liking this program. This is one of the things that I'm really looking forward to on the show every week. Yeah, I'm just kind of ready for it to be whatever it's going to be, I guess. I don't know. Like, if he joins the inner circle, that's, that kind of, that can you, be kind of fun. Are you anxious but... to get back to Jake Hager in the tag division? Is that what you're wanting here? <laughs> no, I just, I, I don't really like, I can't really, I can only take so much MJF as it is, so. All right. These are a little bit heavy-handed for me. Gotcha. Um, uh, speaking of heavy-handed... The Britt Baker Tony Schiavone thing was, it happened. The I I liked everything except for the like forty year old virgin ripoff like throw Tony Schiavone yeah, on the I table just, thing. I was just like, what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> like her actual I, promo part of it, I thought was actually really well done, and I thought I liked the attitude of of where her character's at. I liked the the yes. the ambiance of the like just the way that the video was shot. I enjoyed until that point, but then it just like mm -hmm. they took a left turn. At now we're gonna pause. 
and just watch right. them rip a few hairs off of Tony Schiavone, who apparently has you know shaved his chest in the past three months, right. <laughs> you know, off his chest. No, because I yeah, because I did. I thought it's getting to the it's getting to the point where it's like I think Brit has come such a long way in developing her yes. heel persona and like perfecting it to this point that now this stuff is overshadowing it and diminishing what I think she, you know what I mean? Like she's cutting great promos. Oh, and we're waxing Tony Schiavone's chest. Like, (laughs) Hey, just cut a great promo. And maybe we don't wax Tony Schiavone. Like (laughs) I I just, I think that it's time to kind of step out of this stuff. Like that was, this was a great way to like keep her on TV when she was, you know, healing and all that stuff. But now, yeah, you know, well now you got to figure out a way to, you now you can't just like because Britt Baker's character so far has been demanding him to come so that way she can talk well, to the right. camera. So there has to be some way to make that that split. But yeah, if they would just do it, then you would have that that done. Yeah. Um, the Cody look at me segment this week. He went to a draw with Orange Cassidy. So, dude, that that match know? was awesome. I I thought was, that was fantastic. Oh no, absolutely no. It was really good stuff. Um. He's like already got another challenge, and I think he's already accepted a rematch like weeks from now. Yeah, that like, was the only just... thing I didn't like was that they immediately announced the rematch for Orange Cassidy right away. Yeah, but he's but it's not even like next week though, isn't it? No, I think it's he's like got like a, two weeks. Yeah, because he already had like a challenge, so it's like he now he's accepting matches week after <laughs> he's maybe could have lost the. I don't know. Yeah. I just it just seems uh, like what happened is they had this storyline they were building. This fucking talent show came up. He thought it was too big of an uh, opportunity to pass up, and they paused right. the storyline for two months, and then he mm-hmm. came back, and now we're just right back into it, because like, he was doing the push-up stuff, he was doing the stuff that Arn doesn't like, and now he's already Uh-oh. setting up more and more matches. Arn wasn't liking that before you know, yeah. this all went bad. It just seems like we're just right back into the same storyline, which now that we're there, I'm okay with, but yeah, it just seems like, really, we had to go through all this for a fucking talent show to do some judging on this? TNT version of America's Got Talent. Yeah. Can't remember the name of it. Uh, anyway, they have a drawing. Gotta love a good old-fashioned drawing. Um, four teams yes. um, who will have a match, and that will determine who faces face SFTR. We have Private Party. We have uh, John Silver and Alex Reynolds of the Dark Order, Butcher and Blade, and the Young Bucks. Uh-oh. Yeah. This was like the one of the places where I saw uh, I could uh, totally understand the fair level of I think it would be fair to level criticism at AEW and the fact that like what happened like you didn't you could you didn't even explain away anything to deal with like why this would make sense in the way that you generally set up your challengers for championships. <laughs> it's all been about st- stats and wins and losses until this sudden moment when you just well, decided we needed to do this. Cuz they also make FTR kind of seem hypocritical because they're the ones that are always talking about like earning the shot and the whole yes. thing with the bucks this angle since the day ftr got here with those two even having a match let alone a title match once they became champions was that they didn't deserve it they're not yeah. on their level they got to mm-hmm. earn it like and all the while ftr is doing the brush with greatness every week and i know i think it's kind of the point is it's like rubbing it in the face of the bucks that they're giving title matches to all yeah, the other yeah. team but still it just seems ah and then this is how you're going to determine their number, their contendership. And like the thing that I thought you could have fixed it and made it to where I wouldn't have cared at all if all you right. said was the teams that have better win loss records have more balls in there and are weighted higher to get uh, into the match. Mm. 
and that's then good. and then you just have the young bucks be the surprises. That's it. Like in yeah. the, the it yeah. was just like that would have been all you would have had all all explained away. You wouldn't have all these people complaining about shit. But no, that's good. That's very good. Um, your women's segment of the week on Dynamite. You only get one. Um, Hikaru Shida defended her title against Swole. Like I don't know. This is I'm sure there's a thinking that this is a good way to continue mm-hmm. to elevate and promote somebody. I'm just from my vantage point when you've like built somebody up and then you give them a title match and they lose that title match. I don't see that necessarily as all that positive of a well, thing. The problem with the way that the women's division has been is that because of the championship, it feels like you can only really have one person at that's at and has any momentum. Because, right. like you said, because then they get to the championship and then they lose. Well, then they got to go to the back of the line. So then they're on dark again. So we don't well, see hey, them for a while. I've got this crazy suggestion for them. If they had like two women's matches a week on Dynamite, yeah. you could have other people with momentum and. And that's what I mean. Because like I don't think that Swole should become the champion here. I don't. No, it didn't not make quite. any. It didn't. No. I don't think that she's ready for that. But. Right. At the same time, I don't necessarily think that, you know, we she should disappear on the dark again just because she <laughs> lost this match. Well, and then, like, they're running, they're, they can't, again, because they only get one segment. So they're also, are, like, showing you Nyla Rose in the crowd. Just in the crowd, yeah. I'm like, wait, I'm like, wait a second. How is she? I love how Nyla Rose, like, since this company started, she's just basically, like, the constant number one contender. Like, she's not really, she doesn't wrestle. She doesn't have other matches with other people. Has she she just hangs dark? around and gets title matches. I'm assuming that she's been on dark because from what I heard, at least because <laughs> there, like, there was like a commenter on one of the, the wrestling podcasts I listened to that like someone was like reading a comment that they had left. But apparently like dark has had a good number of like generally there's like more than one women's no, match there every are. week on there dark. Are. There are. And there, so, I mean, well, hell, there's, there's like 12 matches on dark. So yeah, yeah, there usually are like three yeah, or four. So they have all matches. those matches. So they're, they're, you know, things are happening in this division. It's just you don't ever hear about them if you're right. not watching AEW Dark. And I'm not watching AEW Dark right now. So. <laughs> right. Listen, guys, it's two more hours of my week, and I am just about tapped thin. All right. Uh, AEW Championship, because this was the anniversary show, they didn't really make a huge deal about it. There was like one segment it of people like, being like, congratulations on your anniversary. Yeah. Like the thirty years of Jericho felt like there was more yeah. of a pomp and circumstance right. to it, and also, yeah. like it felt like in the build up to the episode there was more, yeah, you know, in that than actually was in the actual episode. Which I wonder if you know if maybe they were nervous about seeming too self congratulatory, but it seems like you know the WWE is like literally up their own ass all the time with self congratulatory oh shit. So it's like yeah. you could go so far and you still wouldn't be able to touch what they do. Yeah, whatever. I mean, my God. Yeah, nobody <laughs> celebrates themselves for the smallest of achievements than WWE. So, um, but yeah, Moxley defended his title against Lance Archer. Uh, pretty solid match. Got a good finish, I thought, with the uh, kind of the roll up out of nowhere, taking it, you know, and uh, the quick pin. Good yeah. stuff there. Yeah, I like that match. I, again, I don't know how I, f- you know, it's this doesn't seem great for Archer, but I'm sure he'll be fine somehow. We'll see what happens. Uh, this is what happens when you have title matches like every three weeks, like AEW does. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, God love Moxley, but this dude defends this title like every two or three weeks. It seems like it is a good amount for sure. Um, on TV, on pay per view, um, but the good stuff was Eddie Kingston. Was he on commentary? Yeah. The whole- yeah. Yep. So he like 
sends Phoenix and Pentagon to the ring to help Moxley post match. Yeah. In a, in a bit of an odd turn here. Uh, and then Eddie got the mic and did what Eddie does best and why he has the rocket off his ass in this company. I mean, like, seriously. <laughs> yeah. They, like, walking in the door, like, just think about how short amount of time he's actually been in this company. Mm-hmm. And he is an absolute top guy. Yeah, it, it does feel that way for sure. I mean, so, yeah, he talks up uh, his long friendship with Moxley, going back to their days in the independence. That would be probably combat zone wrestling, actually. Um, and puts Mox over. Um, raise of the hand. I mean, the thing about Kingston that you love, though, is it's like, no matter how kind he's being and how sincere it seems like, you're just always waiting for what exactly comes next. And it does come yes. next. You know, he raises the hand of Moxley <laughs> and then they all attack him. Yeah, they of course. Him up. Eddie chokes Moxley out and that's the end Shouting of the about how he never tapped out. He never gave up. Right. Yep. So, so yeah. Solid stuff there. I think they're full metal or whatever that full show's gear. called. Is that the one? That's, is that what's coming up? Full gear. I think so. Yeah. That was their November pay per view last year. Yeah. I thought I heard him mention it at least a couple of times on this show. So, yeah. We'll see what happens uh, on the road to full gear. Uh, <laughs> speaking of what will happen next, uh, you know, we're kind of in the limbo time for the folks over at NXT. We got Halloween Havoc on the horizon. Undisputed Era minus Adam Cole came out. I kind of thought this was interesting with Kyle O'Reilly cutting a promo in the ring, almost as like the leader of the group. I thought he yeah. did a really good job. Uh, brought up that the Golden Prophecy begins again tonight uh, with Fish and Strong trying to earn a tag team title match. So uh, I thought there was a really strong segment here from Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah, no, I, I liked it. I liked Kyle O'Reilly getting a chance to talk a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it felt like it made sense with, uh, where it, with that when, when they're in a trio like that. Yeah, because there's some fear that Finn might have to give that belt up. So oh, really? The cursed NXT title of 2020, <laughs> man. Like, maybe, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I mean, a jaw broken like the way his was apparently broken yeah. seems like the kind of thing that you're going to need to be out for at least a couple months, but I don't know. Um, Fish and Strong beat Birch and Oni Lorkin. Solid stuff here from all four of these guys. Great. Rizongo did the watching from the ramp thing. Ooh, what'll happen? <laughs> uh, this guy, I, every now and then NXT just like starts plopping somebody in front of me and they're like, you know this guy, you know, Ashanti the Adontis, the Adonis. And I'm like, yeah, I know you guys. Did, <laughs> I, he like popped up in a swerve match a couple weeks ago. They're like, oh, it's Ashanti the Adonis. And I'm like, excuse me? Like, uh, yeah, context. I, like, I, I thought like, Ashanti was a, a pop singer, but right. It's like, it's like, come on, guys. Like, listen, you can expect us to have watched a lot of stuff. 205 Live. Is kind of asking a lot these days. <laughs> so, All right, like, this guy started on two hundred five live. I'm pretty sure that's where he like built up any of his like momentum. Okay, I think. Okay, I, th- I thought I heard that mentioned by Vic Joseph, who's probably the one of six people that watches two hundred five live because yes. you know commentary. Um, but anyway, he fought Jake Atlas, who I think they're doing a really good job with, like a kind of a nice slow little. He went through the Tommaso Ciampa thing where he got his ass kicked, but he kind of kept coming back for more, and you know they even commented on his, you know. Harder edge, he seems to have been showing, which is so good stuff there because Jake Atlas is awesome. So. Fucking old school wrestling names here with these Atlases and Adonises. <laughs> oh, yeah, you gotta love it. Uh, Legado del Fantasma would come out though and uh, approach the ring and swerve would even the odds, and then that would cause Santos Escobar and his friends to uh, back away. So, more to come on that. I just, you know, this has just been, I, I, I appreciate the effort being put into the cruiserweight title. Like yeah. it doesn't take a ton. Just 
a good segment a week, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> with an interesting story development. I see, Tony, sir. It's okay to have just one segment a week if it's little <laughs> men, but if it's women, That's right. you have to have more than one. That's right. I Yes, that is right. I am prejudiced against little men, and I don't think they deserve more than one segment a week, but the women do, damn it. Um, anyway, speaking of the women, we're going to go on a great run here back-to-back. Back. Uh, anyway, number one contenders match, Candice LeRae and Shotzi Blackheart. Uh, Candice picks up the victory, earns the shot against uh, Io Shirai at Halloween Havoc. Indy Hartwell slipped Candice brass knuckles, which I would imagine Regal has to appreciate deep down inside. Um I'm not through. I'm a little worried about Shotzi. Yeah. Uh, it gets work. Not, not, not the push, the in ring stuff, like all that's going well. They're starting to just fuck with her a little bit. Like it's a scream instead of a howl now. She's not doing the welcome to the ball pit. Like, oh, okay. There's just like little things that are already starting to kind of pluck away. Yeah. And then, and then I'll go ahead and just comment like on the end of the show when she announces that, um, both of the title matches involving the Garganos, the stipulations are going to be determined in a spin the wheel, make the deal mm-hmm. kind of it, which is fun. Yeah. But they had her, but she's doing this like scary movie voice thing. Oh, okay. Where I'm just like, uh, what? like she doesn't have to be an uh, actual monster. Guys. <laughs> like she can still just talk. She like talked like that. I don't know. I just felt like it was a little bit much. I was like, no, 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 no don't. Don't lean too hard into this shit. Like, cause then after Halloween, they're going to fucking put you on the shelf and they're not going to have anything for you because you became a goblin at some point. <laughs> yeah. It's like when, yeah, Finn had his, uh, his pumpkin version. <laughs> right. Right. No, we can't do it. No, if we do it, then we'll never be able to do it again. Um, after that, the return of Tony Storm to NXT. Oh, in all her glory. Tony Storm, uh, got the win over Aaliyah, uh, the Robert Stone brand. Stock continues to plummet. It's not been great. Um, yeah, awesome. So, I mean, she's just, I don't know, man. I think Jericho even mentioned this on his podcast, like maybe a year or so ago. Like, I don't even know if I'd done NXT with Tony Storm. Yeah. Like, she is just, it just pop, man. I mean, it's, everything about her is star. I mean, there's yeah. just, there's, I don't know that there's anything wrong with her like that. I mean, she is a complete package. That's why All you're going to do is like hurt her knee or something mm-hmm. is all you're like taking the chance of doing here and wasting her like on NXT in my opinion. That's why I never understood why she was in NXT UK for so long. Like it seemed like Ugh. she should have came over a long time ago and they were just like, no, we can't. We, we, we just brought Rhea Ripley over. So we got to leave Tony over there. <laughs> I, I do think Rhea Ripley is, might be Tony Storm's <laughs> problem at this point. Like, like yeah. shit. No, we, we kind of put the brakes on this one and we, we don't want to have to, because, I mean, I'm t- I just think she is, like, day one. She shows up. I just think she's cooler than everybody. Like, she is yep. just immediately, like, if you did a, you know, surveyed a group of people that never watched wrestling, and, like, she entered, they would just be like, <laughs> oh, yeah, she's she's the biggest star. Definitely. So. Yeah. That makes sense. I don't know. Instead, she's going to fight Io Shirai in the fucking Capitol Wrestling Center. Yay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, the Drake and Dane stuff continues to just be some of my favorite stuff in wrestling. Um, Imperium beat him this week, and uh, Dane got mad, said, nobody hits you except me, and then you know beat Imperium up and kind of was friendly with uh, you know Drake. But funny stuff. Damien Priest beat Dexter Loomis. Cameron Grimes interfered in the match on behalf of Damien Priest. 
uh, Gargano attacked, and that's when Regal brought Shotzi out, and she talked like a monster <laughs> and announced that they're going to do spin the wheel. <laughs> it was just like, oh. just, just talk like Shotzi. You don't need to be Monster Mash. Um, yeah. SmackDown, it's their anniversary on Fox. So we know what that means, DP. 15 minutes of Triple H and Stephanie in the ring. <laughs> Did it really start with that? Oh, yeah. Oh, Introducing the new superstars and, oh, yeah. Bunch of Triple H and Stephanie. So um, it, it ended in everybody fighting. Lars came out and then Lars beat Jeff Hardy in a match and nobody was happy about that except for Triple H and Vince, as we yeah. said earlier. Um, really, really well done hype video for Bianca Belair. Um, she didn't wrestle after that. No, no, that would have made too much sense, but the video was good regardless. Nice. Uh, sad goodbye from the New Day. Um, they then went on to beat Nakamura, Cesaro, and Sheamus in a six-man tag. Had a sad hug. Um, Otis probably going to have another lawsuit on his hands as Sammy was kind of calling him a loser backstage, and Otis got mad and shoved him down. So I feel like that's probably going <laughs> to stack up that. Daniel Bryan came into the Thunderdome for the first time. Oh, he's excited about all the new faces on SmackDown, but he didn't mention Seth Rollins. So Seth Rollins came out and was like, you know, said, oh, I'm happy that Brie let you come to work. I'm like, God, are you really going to start another family-involved storyline? <laughs> yep. yep. Oh, go. God. Why is the Messiah, why is this Messiah character messing with people's families all the time? But anyway, um, this was all fun. And I like this, all of it. Um, he asked for Daniel's support. Daniel told him that his vision seemed short-sighted, it's self-indulgent, and dumb. Uh, they would begin to brawl. And then the Mysterio family came out. I was like, we didn't need help. Why did you guys even come out? And then Daniel Bryan, Seth Rollins, I just led him and Seth was like, come on, Daniel, help me. Join me. Like, as he was like against the ring from the, across from the Mysterios. And Daniel Bryan just like laughed and left the ring. <laughs> and then Murphy came out and also didn't help Seth Rollins. And attacked him. It's just like, all right, guys, you've, I, you're kind of like cutting the balls off this Rollins character like a bit too hard at some oh. point. Like, and then the Mysterios still wouldn't shake the hand of Murphy. Ah, they still can't forgive him. How far out are we from like a potential like birth for their <laughs> kid? Oh, for oh Seth and Becky? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. At this point, I would have to think of what the end of the year. Like, I just don't Maybe remember the, where when it was announced or whatever, but Money in the Bank was right after WrestleMania, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, because that was in like early May then. So, so May, so yeah, okay. I would guess the end of the year, very early beginning of next year. Okay, so. never mind then. I was gonna say because like, you know, he's losing all these partners. You know, right. maybe I know. Yeah, I can't. The man come back and help him out, but nope. Well, weeks ago, I thought he was he was gonna be gone because it just felt like they had <laughs> completely just cut him down. You know, and he's. He's uh, persistent, if nothing else. Yeah. Uh, Street Profits beat Rude and Ziggler. Bailey and Sasha had a contract signing. Oh, boy. Um, and then Roman Reigns beat Braun Strowman in a title match. Because why not? And then had like a confrontation with Jey Uso. I was going to say, I think the Jey thing was more of the main event, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. I don't know. He like had a chair and he was going to hit him and then Jey didn't. And he got beat up, I think. I can't remember. So what are your uh, is is Roman not not hitting it with you at this point? No, Roman I think is a freight train. I wish that we'd get away from this Jey Uso thing that <laughs> Gotcha. I keep I keep reading all these articles about oh yeah, I keep it going cuz it's it's so great. I'm like, well, it's it's I think it was good, but I think it did what it needed to do and now 
Yeah. We're having this second match and it's for what? Like, I think you did a great job at the last pay-per-view of establishing what you wanted to do by having him fight with his family members. Mm-hmm. Now it just kind of feels like we're dragging it out a bit, you know? Definitely. If Jay doesn't win, then what was the point? And he's not going to win. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining this is going to lead to, like, you know, another opportunity for Roman to, like, be really awful to Jay and hurt him bad in the Hell in a Cell <laughs> match. But if, then it'll be like, okay, well, yeah, good job. You did it twice. Now what? So, yeah. Yeah, no, I think the Roman stuff's great. Okay, cool. One of my favorite wrestlers in WHW. You know why? Why? She is so sexy, man. So scary, but so sexy. Aus Frankfurt am Main. The witch bitch of wrestling, baby! I see you whining and grinding up on that pole. <laughs> I can see you looking at me and you already know. Grinding, grinding up on the floor. Yeah, there you go. You know, sometimes when I do commentary, I forget that people are listening. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's right, Hulk. You can listen to the Golden Age of Grappling podcast any day of the week. But if you're looking for new episodes, you can check out our website, goldenagepodcast.com, or look for us on iTunes. New episodes releasing every... Oh, shut up, you fat, bow-headed little Friday, Saturday, Sunday comes again.